Okay, I think I had the mute button on, so I apologize for that. Uh, welcome to our show for tonight on Bamfor Racing Radio. We're doing our Watkins Glen and Evergreen NASCAR Weekend Preview with Hot Topic Sound Off at 10 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. Joining me for tonight's show is our co-host for tonight, and that is Andy Lasky. Welcome to the show, Andy. Well, thanks for having me, and I'm certainly pleased to be on tonight, uh, Watkins Glen and Road Course Racing, one of my favorite weekends personally, so excited to be here for this one as we uh, talk road course racing tonight. Yes, indeed. We've got a lot of racing to talk about here tonight. We're going to start with some short track news and uh, some of their upcoming races this weekend. Well, we've got three <laughs> races to review in the ARCA series, starting with the ARCA Menard series at Watkins Glen International on Friday. Uh, then the ARCA West will race at Evergreen Speedway on Saturday. And on Sunday, the ARCA Menard series will be back in action at the Illinois State Fairground Speedway which is a dirt track. So we've got everything covered this weekend uh, with uh, the racing that's going on. At 9 o'clock, we have some audio from Scott Cipadelli. He's the vice president of competition at Stuart Hawes Racing. And afterward, uh, Andy and I (laughs) have to go through all the list of names here. Andy and I will uh, give our comments about the – his audio uh, comments, and then afterward we'll offer some updates from the NASCAR Truck Series. Uh, They are not racing this weekend, so we'll just kind of give you the latest and greatest there. At 9.30, we're going to get into the preview of the NASCAR Xfinity Series and the NASCAR Cup Series, both racing at Watkins Glen International. So, uh, Andy... Uh, I guess we'll start with some short track racing news. There's so much going on, uh, and still more racing left for the limited late models and street stocks at North Wilkesboro Speedway. Not this weekend, uh, but in a couple weekends, August 30th and 31st. So still a lot to look forward to there at North Wilkesboro Speedway. Yeah, there is. You know, that's certainly going to be a good one. For one thing, first and foremost, just really excited to see racing back at North Wilkesboro after all these years. Uh, That's going to be a good one for the late models. And then um, taking a look here, some kind of unfortunate news. The August 20th race canceled at Goodyear All-American Speedway. Um, Unfortunate Mm -hmm. events there. Take a look at the reasons why. Uh, Unfortunately, due to staffing shortages and a family emergency. For anybody that was... Planning on going to that one. That's not going to happen, unfortunately. Uh, Also taking a look here. Uh, Let's see. There's 70 entries filed for the 49th Oxford 250, so that's going to be exciting. That's always a big event every year. Yeah, in fact, that's uh, just right up the road for me, and I regret to say that I've never been to that, in, which is unfortunate. It's in my home state, but one of these years I'll have to. It's one of the bigger short track racing events in, in the United States, so um, hopefully I have to get to that at some point. Yep, that's at Oxford Plains Speedway. They're racing August 26th to the 28th. So, again, that's an upcoming event, but 70 people on that list already, so it's going to be pretty big. Okay. Um, 
Okay, the first dirt race highlights for a wild week in the Penty Series. Uh, uh, a three-team championship battle in that series uh, going on. That's one of our NASCAR uh, affiliates here. Andy, are you still with me? Yeah, and um, just taking a look here at some of the uh, other racing news. The state line champions uh, seek the um, the NWX LMS Liberty Launch Academy 125 victory, and those of the Northwest Super Late Models as they prepare for their first race since June 18th. So a bit of a break for them. It'll be nice to see them back on track here uh, in almost two months. Yes, indeed. Uh, they're, they're ready to go back racing for sure. Uh, let's take a look at uh, Flow Racing and see what's going on there because uh, they will have a lot of the coverage uh, from this weekend of racing. Uh, there's a NASCAR Roots Notebook championship battles heating up all over. So if you want to catch up with everything that's going on uh, from a NASCAR Roots point of view, uh, they get into... Uh, the Wheel and Modified Tour, the Pinty Series, uh, and uh, the Arkham Menard Series, and all the different uh, NASCAR races uh, that are happening under this banner uh, with the Pinty Series uh, racing on dirt and everything else. So uh, a good one to kind of catch up on everything. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, you mentioned the Wheel and Modified Series. Of course, they're going to be at the Thompson Speedway in Connecticut. Um, that race was moved due to rain until uh, today, actually, Thursday, August 18th, and uh, some familiar faces in that one, most notably Ryan Priest was a late-minute addition subbing for Bobby Santos the third. so be curious to see how they all do in this one. The Modifieds always put on uh, exciting racing action every time they hit the racetrack. No doubt about that. They really do a nice job. Um, so there's a lot to look forward to with racing. Uh, Jay and I talk about this all the time. And, Andy, I don't know if you're a subscriber uh, to Flow Racing or Racing America, but if you're looking for a race to watch any day of the week, uh, there is racing action to be had at Flow Racing or Racing America. And now there's a... Um, kind of a um, merging of MAV-TV with Flow Racing and uh, a lot of the MAV-TV events you can see at uh, Flow Racing now, too. Yeah, and that's the thing. You bring up a good point. They have 24-7 racing coverage, and, and I think, you know, for racing fans, you know, years ago we used to have the Speed Channel, and when that went away, we kind of lost that for a while. But uh, Flow Racing and MAV-TV have not only brought us racing every day of the week, but they have opened up the ability to see all the local short track action across the country. And uh, I think that really has helped broaden the horizons and brought awareness to those events, maybe that some of us were never aware of. So it's fun that uh, we have this at our disposal to enjoy racing seven days a week. That is so true. And, you know, the weekly touring series, the Advanced Auto Parts weekly touring series, so many of those races happen all over the country, and so many of them are covered over at Flow Racing as well. So races that we maybe not had access before, 
we have access to seeing those races now uh, right at your local short track. If you're not able to go to the short track, you can still see it on the live streaming. But uh, by all means, if you're near a racetrack, get out there to the racetrack. <laughs> Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, they have a schedule here at uh, Flow Racing as well of all the racing that's coming up uh, at the, that they have coming up as far as their streaming service. And uh, there is a lot of racing action going on this weekend. I'm trying to get to somehow I skipped over August. Um, yeah, if we take, yeah, I got it up here, Sharon. I can take a run okay. through that. Of course, um, the, the 2022 Lincoln Tech Open Modified 80, that's the race I alluded to. Um, actually, no, that is a different modified event. I stand corrected. There's two modified events this weekend, the Wheel and Modified Tour at Thompson, the open modified race, that's at Stafford Motor Speedway. That's tomorrow night at 5.50 p.m. I've been there for two modified races. They put on a great show. If anyone's up in New England, get out to that one. That'll be a fun one. The uh, Butterball Woodridge Memorial, it will be at Richmond Raceway. That's also tomorrow night. The 2022 Canadian Big Block Modified Series at Autodrome Granby tomorrow night. Uh, just a lot going on. Um, the Outlaw Speedway will host the Tezos All-Star Circuit of Champions. The Mars Late Models at Kankakee County Speedway tomorrow night. Weekly racing at Marshalltown Speedway. Um, there's just a lot going on here. The list goes on. That's just a, um, it's a few examples huge, isn't of what it? we'll see. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, that's just a few examples of what's going on. Um, the uh, Lucas Oil Topless 100 at Batesville Motor Speedway tomorrow. Uh, the USAC Silver Crown, that'll be a good one. That's tomorrow night, 9 p.m. at the World Ride Technology Raceway. Um, just to name a few, but certainly a robust amount of racing for Friday night tomorrow. Absolutely. And then, you know, there's all the races that are taking place on Saturday as well. There is a lot. Uh, so the Idaho 208 at Meridian Speedway on August 19th and 20th, uh, the Johnny Key Classic at Ocean Speedway, uh, the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championship at Bud's Creek MX Park, uh, the Bettenhouse 100 at Illinois State Fairgrounds. I believe that's uh, that's a USAC race. So that's in conjunction with the fact that the Arkham Menard Series will be there that same weekend. So a lot going on at the Illinois State Fairgrounds this weekend. Uh, also the weekly racing at Riverhead Raceway. Uh, Virginia Motor Speedway will have the prelude to the Fast Track World Championship uh, available. And at Oswego Speedway, there's the Track Championship Night. Uh, more weekly racing at Bridgeport Motorsports Park on Saturday. The Hall of Fame Night at Atomic Speedway. Uh, the Circuit, uh, I'm sorry, the Tezos All-Star Circuit of Champions at Utica Rome Speedway. And more weekly racing at Berlin Raceway, uh, as well as Jennerstown Speedway. And the list goes on and on. It's amazing how much racing they have here. Yeah, if you were to tell me you couldn't find anything to watch this weekend, I would say you haven't looked hard enough. <laughs> so much going on, and it really does promise to be a good one this weekend. 
It does indeed. Now, some of the races that uh, we're going to pay particularly close attention to are under the Mark Arkham Menard series, and uh, they are racing on Friday, first of all, at Watkins Glen. Uh, the General Tire Delivers 100 uh, will take place at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That will be televised on Fox Sports 1, as well as radio coverage available at MRN and Sirius XM, uh, channel 391 and online at 981. But ARCA Racing always has radio coverage available there as well. It's an 11-turn, 2.45-mile road course. Uh, they will have practice Friday, August the 11th. They'll have practice from 3.15 to 4.15, qualifying from 4.25 to 4.45, and the race itself should start sometime around 6.13 p.m. There's uh, definitely a lot of people to watch for in this race. Yeah, it'll be a good one for sure. Um, Let's take a look and see if we can find the uh, entry list here because this should be uh, a pretty good one. And, of course, they're also uh, working toward uh, their championship here, so certainly a lot of points implications on the line with this one. Sanchez is uh, ahead of Roger Carruth, who's led most of the season this year, and uh, he is – Sanchez kind of passed him up this past week uh, or a couple weeks ago, and um, here we go. Uh, a couple weeks ago, and so uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he can hold on to that uh, points lead. We usually go bottom-up, Andy, and just kind of give a rundown of who's on the entry list. Yeah, sure. Um, I've got the entry list right here in front of me. Um, Rita Thompson, Casey Garden, these are names I'm not familiar with, but there is a name we all are familiar with in Brandon Jones. He's driving a uh, Joe Gibbs entry. Of course, he'll be a factor. Andy uh, Jankowiak, Christopher Worth, Connor Jones, Brad Smith, all on the entry list here. Um, Daniel Dye, Greg Van Alf, these are names that are very familiar to the Arkham Menard series. Austin Wayne Self, of course, a truck series competitor coming over. Amber Balclean, uh Tony Branninger, Connor Mostag, Jesse Love, Sammy Smith, of course, um, and the first half of the entry list. So some familiar names, some newcomers to the series. Should be a good one. Uh, looks like there's quite a few cars, Sharon, that are entered for this uh, road course event on Friday night. Absolutely. Uh, Jesse Love, Sammy Smith, Taylor Gray, all unable to race at some of the bigger tracks because of their age, are now back on track this weekend. So that's going to be fun to see. Parker Chase, Ed Pompa, Stanton Barrett, Tim Monroe, Dr. Ed Bull, uh, Roger Carruth, Dale Quarterly, and Nick Sanchez all on that uh, entry list for this weekend. Uh, And, of course, uh, uh, it's going to be a lot of racing action on the road course at Watkins Glen. So uh, I'm glad to see that some of these guys uh, can make it back. In fact, the battle um, <clears throat> for the championship took a big turn in the most recent race at Michigan International Speedway when Nick Sanchez uh, moved to the top of the standings following his victory in the Henry Ford 200. Uh, so even though uh, Nick Sanchez uh, is holding the lead over his Reb Racing teammate, Raja Karuth, by just seven points, 
there's Daniel Dye also knocking on the door. He's just nine points behind Sanchez. So those are the three drivers to really keep your eye on this weekend. Uh, And, of course, there's going to be, I think, uh, Andy, some that are going to be spoilers in this race. There are indeed. Uh, as I alluded to just a few moments ago, NASCAR Xfinity Series driver Brandon Jones will come over from Joe Gibbs Racing and make his fourth start of the season uh, for JGR. In his three previous starts this season, he has victories at Charlotte and Iowa Speedway. So indeed, Sharon, he will be a spoiler, no doubt, uh, this weekend. And also Austin Wayne Self uh, coming over from the Truck Series. That'll be a fun one. Um, he uh, is a veteran of 50 starts in the ARCA series, owning one victory and has entered to drive the number 32 for team owner Kevin Sawinski. So certainly um, some pretty big names, if you will, from other disciplines in uh, NASCAR that are coming over to get some road course experience tomorrow night at the Glen. So should uh, make it fun as these drivers will mix it up with the regulars tomorrow night. There's also some road course experts that are among the field. They include Parker Chase, who finished second earlier this year at Mid-Ohio for Venturini Motorsports. Uh, and other road course ex- experts on the list include Dale Quarterly, and you recognize this name, Andy. Stanton Barrett is going to be on the entry list uh, as well. Uh, so, again, I mentioned earlier that uh, some some of the drivers that were not at Michigan are back on the track. Taylor Gray, Jesse Love are, are both returning. Connor Jones is back with Venturini Motorsports. And Sammy Smith is going to be looking for his third victory of the season driving for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Yeah, it's going to be Chris- a good one. Uh- Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. Christopher Worth, who made his ARCA Series debut at Watkins Glen last year, is back for a second career start. Also entered our South Africa's Arnott Koch, uh, Dr. Ed Bull, and Casey Carden. I don't remember seeing Armand on the entry list there, but uh, maybe he was a TBD. Yeah, it could be. It could be a late addition, possibly, uh, to the field. Okay, we are now going to move over to uh, the Arkham Menard Series West. Uh, they are going to reach a milestone this weekend, their 1,000th race milestone on Saturday at Evergreen Speedway. So it's going to be a night of historical significance for the Arkham Menard Series West, uh, the division celebrating that 1,000th race in the Napa Auto Parts Arca West 150. So uh, that's going to be a big deal for these guys. Uh, it is. Let me yeah, just... it'll be the... Go ahead. It'll be a fun one for sure. Um, but, yeah, it'll be the Napa Auto Parts Arca West 150 at the Evergreen Speedway, as you spoke about, on Saturday, August 20th. That will be 6.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific time at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Um, it will be on USA if you want to see it on Friday, August 26th at 2 p.m. So for those who want to see it on TV, you'll have to wait a week. But nonetheless, they will uh, broadcast it on USA or Flow Racing. It'll be broadcast live uh, on Saturday night. Uh, radio will be ArcaRacing.com and a little history about the track. It is a 5.8 mile paved oval for 150 laps uh, should be a good one. Uh, Evergreen has always been uh, attractive to put on a good show for the Arkham Menard series. 
Yes, indeed. Now, they'll have practice on Saturday from 2.30 to 4 p.m. Pacific time, and the race starting again at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Uh, that's 9.30 p.m. Eastern. So uh, definitely uh, a lot to look forward to here. Evergreen has hosted more events for the West Series than any other track with 59. Dick Brown took home a victory in the first race uh, at Evergreen back in 64, while the current Camping World Truck Series competitor Blaine Perkins won the most recent race in the facility in 2020. Uh, While the past will be honored during pre-race ceremonies, the current generation of West Series drivers are looking to make their own stamp on history by battling uh, it out with each other for that opportunity to win that 1,000th race. Uh, so who are the drivers to watch this weekend? Well, it should be a good one. Let's take a look at the entry list here. Uh, I'm just going to pull that up momentarily. Um, taking a look down at the bottom. I can get my computer to behave itself here. Well, I'll go ahead and get it started. They have Dave Smith, uh, Cole Moore, Bridget Burgess, Joey East, Trevor Huddleston, Andrew Tuttle is going to be there. Uh, the 21 is to be determined, so that hasn't been announced yet. Landon Lewis, Todd Souza is going to be there. Are you there yet, Andy? Uh, yeah, Todd Souza, Kyle Keller, Chris Loudon, um, going to be involved. And then you've got Tanner Reese, Takuma Koga, Jake Drew, and Sean Hinjirani uh, in the number four cars. So uh, several entries there, of course, and uh, should be a fun one, no doubt. Okay. Now, in the last two months, the West Series competition, no other driver has been as dominant as Jake Drew. Uh, after failing to win a race during his rookie season, uh, Drew has now won at least three West Series events, including Portland International, Sonoma Raceway, and Irwindale. So he's had a lot of efficiency that's allowed him to build a comfortable 45-point advantage over Cole Moore in the point standings. Uh, so uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh <clears throat> As with most drivers entered uh, this weekend, Drew enters uh, the race with little to no experience, however, at Evergreen. Uh, But there is Takuma Koga. He leads the fields with the most starts at Evergreen, having raced there seven times before between 2002 and 2020. His best finish of ninth was in his most recent appearance. Uh, and then there's a bunch of other people that uh, we've mentioned that will also be at the track. Uh, so we'll see if Jake Drew can keep his momentum going this weekend. Yeah, and what's something we've alluded to as well is it is going to be of historical significance for the Arca Menards West Series. It's the division's 1,000th race uh, with the running of this event this weekend. Um, it began all the way back in 1954 when Dick Raffman won the inaugural race at Oakland Stadium. Uh, many talented drivers have come through the West Series since that day, some of the most notable names including Jack McCoy, Ray Elder, Herschel McGriff, Jimmy Insolo, and many more. Uh, Evergreen has hosted more events for the West Series than any other tracks. With 59, Dick Bound took home a victory in the inaugural West Series event at Evergreen, which was back in 1964. 
Uh, current Camping yep. World Truck Series competitor Blaine Perkins won the most recent race back in 2020. Something I think you may have already mentioned, but nonetheless, um, yeah, this is going to be a good one. Uh, hard to believe it's the 1,000th race for the series. That's pretty exciting. Okay, but the Arkham and Art Series is actually doing double duty this weekend. In addition to their race at Watkins Glen on Friday night, they'll be making the trip to Illinois State Fairgrounds for the Atlas 100 on Sunday, August the 21st. That race will take place at 1 p.m. Central, that's 2 p.m. Eastern, and will be available on Mad TV and Flow Racing for streaming. Also, they'll have radio coverage over at ArcaRacing.com. It's a one-mile clay oval. They'll be racing 100 laps uh, for 100 miles. They'll have, Friday, they'll have a practice from 10 to 10.30 Central Time, qualifying from 11.15 uh, A.M. and the race at 1 p.m. Uh, so uh, that's, uh, that race is actually on Sunday, so I don't know why they have Friday here. But uh, let's take a look at the entry list for this one. Absolutely, and I think this is going to be a challenge for the Arkham Menards teams running not only a doubleheader weekend, but on two very distinctive types of racetracks. Nonetheless, uh, Zachary Tinkle, Alex Club, Dallas Frua, Will Kilmel, Brad Smith, Buck Stevens uh, amongst the first few entries here. Daniel Dye, Greg Van Alst, Amber Balthine, Tony Bredinger, uh, Ryan Unzicker, Jesse Love, He's Sammy a local Smith, Taylor favorite. Gray. Ah, very good to know. I didn't know that. That's going to be interesting. And certainly uh, when you have that kind of experience, I'm sure he'll be a factor. Um, uh, and then we bring up through Jesse Love and Sammy Smith. That's the first half of the field. Uh, a lot of the same names that are going to be running on Friday at Watkins Glen. So certainly a, a busy weekend, Sharon. Absolutely. In addition to those drivers, there's Taylor Gray. Kelly Koski is another local favorite that we will be racing uh, this weekend at Illinois State Fairgrounds. Buddy Colfoyd, uh, we've seen him uh, be on track uh, in this series a few times. Brian Hogerberg, uh, Kenny Schrader from Fenton, Missouri. It's going to be great to see him on track at Illinois State Fairgrounds. Tim Monroe, Roger Carruth, and your series points leader, Nick Sanchez. So, uh, again, uh, this is going to be a fun race to watch uh, with a lot of action uh, taking place here. So this is where uh, they're going to play on dirt. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be pretty cool, no doubt about it. Um, let's see here. It's once again going to be true this year as far as the dirt goes as a trio of drivers known for their exploits on dirt, are set to join the Arkham Menard Series for this Atlas 100 at Illinois State Fairgrounds. Um, led by TRD development driver Buddy Kofoid, who will make his Arkham Menard Series debut, driving the number 15 Toyota for Venturini Motorsports. He is the defending USAC National Midget Series champion, and he already made his Camping World Truck Series debut earlier this year at the Bristol Dirt event, as well as Knoxville Raceway for Kyle Busch Motorsports. So certainly already has experience uh, in stock trucks on dirt, which will be comparable to the Arkham Menards cars. Um, good experience for him. Uh, another dirt expert set to compete in Sunday's race is dirt late model star Ryan Unziker, who is a winner in Arca competition at the Illinois Fairgrounds. 
His victory was a couple years ago in 2020 on a day that saw the driver from El Paso, Illinois, start from the pole, and he led all but one lap, which is pretty impressive in his only Arkham Menard Series victory to date. He will be uh, back in the number 24 owned by Bill Hendren. So that's going to be fun. And, of course, Kenny Schrader, I've never heard of him. I don't know who he is. But, um, <laughs> um, Kenny Schrader is going to be making his return to the Arkham Menard Series. Fun to see him still racing after all these years. Yeah. Uh, it'll be his first start of the season. He has 18 victories in addition to four in the Cup Series um, and, of course, spends a lot of his free time these days dirt track racing around the U.S. and Canada. He does have a victory at, at uh, Springfield, Illinois, dirt track back in 1998, uh, and he'll be teaming up with Andy Hillenberg. So fun to see him in this one. He loves dirt track racing, and uh, I'm sure he'll be a factor in this one on Sunday. Absolutely. Uh, we already mentioned some of the drivers that are going to be uh, joining them, so I won't go over that again. And we're already at the top of the hour. We we made it, Andy. We had three previews done in a matter of uh, 15 minutes. So good job there. Not too bad. <laughs> Not too bad at all. Okay, next up we do have uh, some audio here. Earlier this week, uh, Scott Cipadelli called in on a Zoom call with the NASCAR media, and uh, they asked him a few questions here about – uh, uh, Stuart Hawes Racing, uh, Scott, Zip, or I said Scott Zipadelli, it's Greg Zipadelli. Oh my gosh, I'm just noticing that. I'm so used to Scott Zipadelli, Andy. Uh, Greg Zipadelli is the chief competition officer, uh, and they're, what some of the questions they're asking him is the chances of, uh, winning three state, straight wins this weekend. Uh, at Watkins Glen, we know Kevin Harvick won back-to-back the last two races. Uh, they're wondering if he can make it three in a row. Uh, with the two wins, do you feel like you, you've made some gains, or would you argue that you weren't the fastest car the last two weeks? Do you feel like you're maybe a little bit behind? Uh, we'll see what he answers there. Is the 10-car situation unsettling or typical of where we are in August? And I don't know if we'll get this far, but uh, do you know what caused the fire in Chase's car? Was it the same thing as what happened to Logano and Busher two weeks ago? If we don't get to that question, I do have the answer here, uh, and we'll cover that on the other side. But uh, let's listen to what Greg Zipadelli has to say here. All right, joining us this afternoon is the Chief Competition Officer for Stuart Haas Racing, Greg Zipadelli. Nice sounding title, Greg. You've had that for a couple of weeks. How's it feeling? Pretty good? <laughs> yeah, two wins with it, so you know you can't complain. All right. We've got questions here from, from our group. Uh, if you've got a question for, for Greg, uh, feel free to raise your hand. We head to Watkins Glen this week where Kevin Harvick has won two in a row. Uh, Greg, I'll just start off. Jim Utter couldn't make the call, but he did have a question. The fact that two wins in a row for Kevin and, and the resurgence of, of your other teams as well, just kind of your thoughts on potential of maybe winning three in a row this week with Kevin and, and Stuart Haas. Oh, well, I mean, I, you know, we go every week to to, uh, to, to win with, with all four of our teams, and, um, you know, performing to the, the highest level. So um, that's always the goal. Um you know the, the four car has uh, has done a really good job in the last. Honestly, you got to go back to Nashville, Sonoma, Pocono. I, I think it gets overlooked how good they ran at some of those racetracks. Um, they didn't 
have an opportunity to win or lead a bunch of laps, but they had speed and, um, you know, it, it kind of started then. So, and then the uh, last two weeks, they've, they've, they've done a great job executing things that have gone their way. They've, uh, cars have unloaded with a little bit more, um, raw speed and, um, you know, it, it's allowed, uh, allowed them to have an opportunity to win and they've uh, been able to capitalize on that. All right, let's uh, kick off the question and answer portion here with uh, Bob Pachris. Go ahead, Bob, kick us off. Yes, yeah, the, there was um, a lot kind of made or thought that things were, that you guys were, didn't have the speed or just we were to stick behind everybody else. I'm curious with the two wins, do you feel like you guys have made the gains or do you still, you know, some would argue that you maybe still didn't have the best car either week. Um, do you still feel like you're a little bit behind? I think we made gains, but I don't think by any means that um, you can sit and say that um, you can stop working. Um, I say that Kevin, you know, had a really good car last week. I mean, he drove around with the car for the lead and never looked back. So I, don't, I mean, you can say what you want, but um, you know what I mean. Um, there's always room for improvement. I think what I looked at last week um, was all four cars were fast. I honestly, if things went well. And Cole didn't have his issue, and Chase didn't have his fire. I, I feel like we, we had potential to have four cars in the top 10, top 12 pretty easily. Um, so to me, that's that's something that, that as a group we've struggled with, is we've unloaded here every week and had at least one, if not two cars, qualify in the top 10, top 12, and run there. But we but we haven't been able to have all four cars and have that kind of um, speed and, and execution. So um, from that perspective, I think that... that, that um, shows that we are going all the work we have been doing is is going in the in, in the right direction um but like i said you you it, it's a time of year where where everybody's working just as hard as you are so you got to continue to to push and and build um is you know as much speed in these cars as you can on a weekly basis and um you know it's obviously still you know no decision yet on who drives the 10 next year, I assume that, you know, a lot of talk about will Eric come back full time, will he not? Um, is that, is that unsettling or is that, you know, typical, you know, if you're in racing, you're always going to August and not likely know, you know, what your total lineup's going to be next year. Yeah, no, that's not a, to me, it's not a big deal. We wait a lot longer, um, <laughs> for, to, to make some of those decisions and try to build around. So, um, uh, I think we'll be fine there. Um, we've got a couple good options, and, and um, just kind of waiting to see how everything plays out. I just want to ask one more. Uh, you talked about the fire. Uh, was, do you know what caused it? And was it? I think NASCAR is saying that they don't think it was the exact same thing as what happened with Busher and Logano two weeks ago. No, it doesn't appear to to be exactly what you know why that insulation in the rocker box caught fire. Um, we're kind of looking into it. It's, it. There wasn't damage to it, so that's kind of the surprising thing. I don't know, you know, rubber got up in there and and, and started the fire and, and burned. It's it's so hard to tell because so much of it was, you know, had, had burned for for a while. So um, pretty disappointing. Um, Chase and, and Johnny and that, that whole group had done a really good job of, of um, adjusting on their car and um, keeping him in the game all day, and, and that's what they needed. Um, up short again was a little disappointing. Thank you. Yes, Thank sir. You, Bob. Thank you. 
Thanks, Bob. Let's go to Jordan Bianchi. Go ahead, Jordan. Hey, Greg. Appreciate the time. What has it been like for um, Kevin and Rodney over the last two years? Uh, you know, Kevin's kind of said they've kind of kind of been even keel about this and stayed the course, so to speak. But I'm wondering from your perspective, a little bit more moved from their day-to-day interactions, what it's been like. Yeah, I don't – I think they've done a good job handling um, handling it and not, let them, not letting it tear them up and making a bigger deal out of it, um, you know. Um, they they just go on every week and, and race as hard as they could and, and try to put themselves in position. And, um, you know, I've been in some of those situations before where it's like you feel like you're doing everything you, you have been doing and you're working just as hard and you're just not getting the results. So you're just not having the speed. Um, so, um, you know, <clears throat> as a whole, I would say um, – us as a group, the Fords as a group, have, you know, have been off a little bit this year. So um, we're we're working hard, and, and um, along with all the other teams, and, and to peak at the right time. Okay, Andy, your thoughts about uh, Greg Zipidelli's uh, comments? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, obviously they've been off this year, like he mentioned, and so. Um, interesting that the four car has won um, the last two races, but I do think, um, you know, they were bound to at some point. You know, they're just too good not to. Um, I think what's interesting is, is um, I don't know if, if he mentioned it or not in this one, um, talking about Cole Custer returning to the 41 for next year. Um, you know, it sounds like that is their plan, actually, for that to continue. Um, there had been some rumors about what the future of that team's like. So it sounds like they're trying to figure out the 10 car right now, and it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. Supposedly, Eric Elmarola may or may not return. So uh, that 10 car is still a bit of a big mystery um, as far as what the future holds for that car and, and possibly even the 41 car. So it'll be curious to see uh, what happens. It sounds like there's still a lot to be determined. Yes, indeed. But he does kind of confirm, right, that uh, Cole Custer will be back at SHR for 2023. That's the plan at this moment anyway. So uh, uh, their their focus really, I think, is on the 10 car and finding somebody uh, to be in that car for the next season. So, but uh, I thought it was interesting, uh, you know, that, felt like it was a little awkward almost uh, when he asked him about uh, whether or not they've made any gains or is their work, <laughs> uh, you know, or are they a little bit behind. And um, <clears throat> I think that uh, uh, Greg Zipidelli acknowledges, of course, that they're, they've struggled this season. Uh, but I think they have made some gains uh, with Kevin Harvey getting the last two wins in the Cup Series, don't you think, Andy? Yeah, I would say they've done. They're doing something right. <laughs> that's for sure. So, um, you know, in what has been a, a bit of a tough year, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, they're they're heading in the right direction. Uh, absolutely. Okay, I'm going to go ahead uh, uh, and move on here. I know we're ahead of schedule, Andy, but I think we're going to need it when we get to the Cup Series. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and. Uh, We'll go and uh, discuss uh, some updates here for the uh, 
for the uh, truck series because they are not racing this weekend. The NASCAR Camping World Truck Series next race will take place next week, the Kansas Lottery 200, on Friday, September the 9th at 730. Uh, And... uh, We'll give you more details on that next Thursday when we preview the Kansas races. Uh, but we'll give you a few updates here just so that you can kind of stay on top of what's happening in the truck series. Uh, do you want to start with the rebound of uh, Josvar and Eckes? Uh, they're, they're kind of on the outside looking in at this moment. Um, let's see. Yeah, maybe you better go – Try to get that pulled up if you want to go ahead and start. No, okay, that's fine. Uh, nice Motorsports, uh, Carson Hosefar is down by three points. Thor Sport, Sport, ah, Thor Sport Racing's Christian Eckes is down by six. They're the two drivers right now that are below the playoff round of eight cut line, and there's just one more race. That's this race at Kansas Speedway next week uh, to uh, figure out who's in and who's not. Two drivers will be eliminated when that race is over. Uh, Hosvar's playoff started with a 21st-place finish at uh, Indianapolis, uh, followed by a 10th-place finish at Richmond. Uh, And now the Michigan native finds himself three points back uh, behind Crafton, who sits in that eighth and final transfer spot. Uh, This is Hosvar's second playoff appearance and he hopes to better what he did in 2021 where he was eliminated in that round of eight. Eckes kicked off his play his playoffs with that 16th place finish at Indianapolis. He finished eighth at Richmond. Uh, that leaves him six points back from his Thorsport racing teammate, Matt Crafton. Again, he sits in eighth. Eckes is looking to build on his only other playoff appearance that took place in 2020, but in that appearance, he was eliminated in the round of 10. So uh, we'll see what happens uh, this weekend. There's uh, some clinch scenarios here. Are you comfortable going through that, Andy? Well, I'm actually trying to figure out where we are um, so I can get that pulled up. Oh, it's in the news and notes. Um, let's see. If you've got J-Skis, they've got the news and notes there. It's uh, they've got the Cup Series. You can find it there, or any of the other series. And uh, I'm that's probably what from I was. The bottom up. Gotcha. All right, <laughs> one second. Okay. Grant Infinger, we know, has clinched his spot. <laughs> he won at Indianapolis. We know Chandler Smith has clinched his spot. So those are two drivers that have punched their ticket. Chandler won at Richmond. So uh, there's six more spots to be determined, right? Yeah, and, you know, obviously they've got three weeks off until they go racing again at um, uh, Kansas. they got some time off, certainly. So um, plenty of time for the teams that need to get themselves locked in to try to prepare to go win that race at Kansas. Yes, indeed. Now, if there's a repeat winner or a win by a driver that can't not advance to the next round, uh, the the drivers I'm going to mention here next uh, can clinch by being had as the seventh winless driver in the standings. 
Uh, the same point requirement listed below would hold true if one new winner comes from among Zane Smith, John Hunter Nemechek, Ty Majeski, Stuart Friesen, Ben Rhodes, or Matt Kraft, and those are the, the other uh, six drivers uh, that haven't uh, already punched their ticket. So Zane Smith just needs 10 points. John Hunter Nemechek can clinch with 13 points. Ty Majeski with 20. Stuart Friesen with 25. Ben Rhodes can clinch with 35, or I'm sorry, 34 points. But if Crafton wins, he's going to need 35 points. Uh, Crafton needs 53 points. Carson Hosevar needs 55 points, but he needs some uh, additional help if Crafton wins, and Eckes uh, can only clinch with help. So uh, help meaning a win. <laughs> he, he really right. needs a win to get in. And there's no better way to get to the next round than by winning a race. So uh, it certainly could happen. Now, if there's a winner from Carson Hosevar or Christian Eckes, uh, these drivers can clinch by being ahead of the six winner drivers in the standings. Uh, Zane Smith would need 13 points. Uh, John Hunter, 16. Ty Majeski, 23. Friesen, 28. Ben Rhodes, 38. Uh, Crafton, Hosfar and Eckes all need that win uh, to get in. And any of these drivers, if they get the win, they're into that next round of eight. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, but uh, Chris Wright is uh, making a move. It was announced that he was leaving uh, Nice Motorsports, or was it Young's? Uh, but now he's going to be going to Brandon Built Motorsports, driving the number 68 for that organization for nine races this season. So that's pretty cool. It starts this weekend at Watkins Glen. Yeah, it does, and that's an interesting move. Certainly uh, the 68 car has been pretty good um, in recent times uh, with Brandon Brown behind the wheel. Uh, unfortunate situation that saw him step out of that car. However, a good opportunity for Chris Wright as he makes his return to the Xfinity Series. Other races that you'll see him um, in that car include Darlington, Kansas, Bristol, the Charlotte Roval, Las Vegas, Homestead, Martinsville, and Phoenix. So that is uh, a good portion of the remainder of the schedule. And this is a quote from him in which he says, I am extremely grateful for the opportunity to be back in the NASCAR Xfinity Series garage and surrounded by a great team, Brandon Built Motorsports. Right said. The team has been super helpful in trying to acclimate me into the number 68 Chevrolet Camaro for the majority of the remainder of the 2022 season. Looking forward to seeing the fans at Watkins Glen. So certainly a good opportunity for him there. Um, and then another opportunity for another driver in Connor Mosack, who is a full-time Trans Am and part-time Arkham Menard Series driver. He's joining Sam Hunt Racing this weekend. Uh, that's a good opportunity, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'll be behind the wheel of that number 26 Toyota at Watkins Glen this weekend. Uh, he did make an Xfinity Series debut earlier this year at Portland, uh, and that was with Joe Gibbs Racing. So this will be his first start at the Glen in the Xfinity Series. Uh, he did make a trip to Victory Lane at the New York Road Course in a Trans Am TA2 Series. So uh, we'll definitely look forward to seeing Connor Mosack on the track here for Sam Hunt Racing. But Austin Wayne Self is making his Xfinity Series debut this weekend. 
Andy. Yeah, he'll be driving a number 32 machine for uh, Jordan Anderson Racing uh, in collaboration with his AM Racing team. Um, quote from Austin himself says, I am very thankful for this opportunity with Jordan Anderson Racing for Minnow Autosport. Anyone that knows me knows how much I enjoy road course racing. And to have the opportunity to attempt to qualify to make my NASCAR Xfinity Series debut for my wife's brother's team is incredibly special. And, of course, he's going to be driving double duty. As we've already mentioned, he'll be in the Arkham Menard Series event on Friday night. So cool for him to, to get that opportunity with Jordan Anderson racing this weekend. Yes, indeed. There's also a bunch of Cup Series drivers that are running double duty this weekend. In fact, four Cup Series regulars are getting that extra track time on the road course at Watkins Glen. Uh, Cole Custer, William Byron, Kyle Larson, and Ross Chastain. Uh, Custer is making his fifth Xfinity Series start this season in that number 07 uh, SS Greenlight Racing Ford. In his four previous starts this year, he posted one win. That was at Auto Club. He has two top fives and three top tens. Byron is also making his third. Well, he's making his third Xfinity Series start this season in that number 17 Chevrolet with Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, he has the one top five and one top ten this season. Uh, this will be his second Xfinity Series start, though, at Watkins Glen. His first was in 2017 when he finished in 10th. But there's a couple of other drivers we can mention here, too. There is indeed. Um, Kyle Larson uh, is going to be driving a, the number 88 Chevrolet for JR Motorsports. It will be his second start of the season. His other start this season was at Road America, where he ran runner-up. Uh, and then there's that Ross Chastain guy we keep talking about every week. He'll be behind the wheels of the number 92 machine that's for DGM Racing in his third start of the season. His two other starts were also on road courses, which was Circuit of the Americas and Indianapolis, in which he finished 17th and 4th, respectively. This will be his sixth NASCAR Xfinity Series start at Watkins Glen, where he has a best finish of 14th. I have a feeling, though, that he'll be in contention for the win this weekend. He's done a phenomenal job in that 92 car thus far this season, so he will be fun to watch on Saturday. He definitely will be. Always one to watch, no matter what race he's in. Okay, now back in action. There's five races to go here with the Xfinity Series. They were off last weekend, so uh, <clears throat> they'll be back at the track this weekend. But time is winding down. Uh, the playoffs uh, kick off at Texas Motor Speedway on September the 24th. Uh, and so with those five races left, things are uh, definitely going to heat up, starting at Watkins Glen International for the fifth of six road course events on the 2022 schedule. So uh, we know that uh, there are some drivers that have already clinched their spot. Uh, so that includes A.J. Allmendinger, Justin Algauer, Ty Gibbs, Noah Gregson, Josh Berry, and Austin Hill. Uh, Brandon Jones, however, can clinch regardless of his finish, uh, and that's uh, uh, the following drivers can clinch on pre- previous wins with a win by a driver who has previously won. So that's Brandon Jones. Uh, he can also clinch uh, the following if, if the 
clinch on previous wins with a win by a driver who's currently winless. So, again, if that happens, then Brendan Jones needs to go out and get a win himself in these next five races. Uh, again, a driver that can clinch on their win alone, that's Brendan Jones. Uh, and, of course, any of these other drivers can clinch with a win as well. Riley Earp, Sam Mayer, Daniel Hemrick, Landon Castle, and Ryan Seek. Those guys all need a win if they're going to get in. Uh, for Stuart Haas Racing, Riley Erbst is at 583 points. Junior Motorsports, Sam Mayer at 578. They're the highest-ranked drivers without a win, and they've been pretty much neck and neck in the point standings for several weeks now. They're both uh, <clears throat> are going to be pushing to post their first Xfinity Series career win as they head to Watkins Glen this weekend. Now, Erbs has given the Glen one go last year when he posted a 13th-place finish. Uh, he didn't have the uh, performance that he was hoping for on the road course in the first part of the season, but he has done quite well uh, at Road America and Indianapolis. He posted a top-10 finishes at both of those tracks. Like Erbs, Mayer has made one start at Watkins Glen where he raced his way up to a top 10 finish, 10th, and he started uh, in the 23rd spot. So this, um, this season's road courses, he has posted one top five and two top 10 finishes. So we'll have to see what these guys can do this weekend. Uh, but one driver that everybody's going to be watching is A.J. Allmendinger. Uh, absolutely. He should be fun to watch. He always is on the road courses and will no doubt be in contention for the win. Okay. Um, uh, out of, out uh, of, uh, do you have it? Yeah, I actually was um, thinking that we were done with Xfinity, but that is not the case. Um, so let me continue with A.J. Allmendinger. We're just sliding um, right into Xfinity. <laughs> From I the gotcha. Truck yeah, no, I can, I can see that there. Um, it, it, it goes without saying that all I should be on A.J. Allmendinger, though, when you look at his success share in, in the Xfinity series, it's been impressive on the road courses. He has 13 wins nine of which have been on road courses, which is 69% of his wins. So it's no surprise when fans um, see the NASCAR Xfinity's all-time road course wins leader post a win at Indianapolis. Um, there's only one left to check off a win at, and that is Watkins Glen this weekend. Um, obviously a really good chance to do just that, considering he's had runner-up finishes and two out of his three starts at the track but there are two drivers who might give him a run, and that's Justin Allgaier and Eleanor Gregson. Um, Allgaier has had a stellar 2022 season with three wins, 10 top fives and 15 top tens, and on top of that, he's done well in three out of the four road courses this season. He's had an impressive history at Watkins Glen, and in his 10 starts, he's posted four top fives and seven top tens. Gregson, meanwhile, only has two starts at Watkins Glen under his belt, with top 10 finishes in both races. But what makes him the threat, Sharon, is that the success he's had on all four road course races this season thus far, in which he's posted one top five and four top tens at Portland Road America, Circuit of the Americas, and Indianapolis, no doubt making him uh, one to watch. I believe Jay Hughesman picked him to win. Probably not a bad idea. Should be a, a good, uh, Should be a good option for sure this weekend. 
Absolutely, it uh, it will be. So uh, they had a two-week break, the Xfinity Series, and now they're heading up to New- upstate New York uh, for the Go Rewards 200 at the Glen. Uh, since I didn't mention this before, I will now. Uh, that race will be Saturday, August the 20th at 3 p.m. It will be on the USA Network. Uh, if you have the NBC Sports app, you can also watch it there. Uh, and radio coverage will be on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Uh, there's been 27 races at this seven-turn, 2.45-mile road course. Uh, they've had 16 different pole winners and 16 different race winners. Uh, Joy Logano has the record for the youngest pole winner. He was 25 years, 2 months, 15 days in 2015. And last season, Ty Gibbs became the youngest winner there at 18 years, 10 months, and 3 days old. Only nine races have been won from the pole, uh, most recently by Joy Logano in 2018. Uh, And at that point, he set the track's qualifying record on August 6, 2016, with a speed of 124.552 miles per hour. Logano also holds the record for the most poles at the track with four, and he's tied with Terry Labonte for the most top fives at seven. Ty Gibbs is the only former winner, <laughs> that's amazing, isn't it, that's entered this weekend uh, at the, at the uh, Glen. If Gibbs once again snags a win in, at the New York road course this weekend, he'll become the fifth driver to post back-to-back victories at the track. And if he does that, he'll join Terry Labonte, who did it in 94, 95, and 96, Ron Fellows in 2000 and 2001, Marcus Ambrose did it in 2008 and 9 and 10, and Joy Logano in 2015 and 16. So the Xfinity Series uh, will kick off the weekend this Saturday, August the 20th, with practice at 10.15, followed by qualifying at 10.35, and uh, all of that can be watched on Peacock and streamed on the NBC Sports app. So uh, if you have that uh, app, you'll be able to uh, watch all of that. We've given ourselves plenty of time to get through all of the uh, Cup Series here, we usually run out of time on that, Andy, so I'm kind of excited that we've got a full half hour to get the Cup Series in here. Uh, Indeed. Ne- <laughs> yes. Uh, they'll be racing the Go Bowling at the Glen at Watkins Glen Sunday, August the 21st at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Big purse, $6,664,145. Uh, it will be televised live at starting at 2 p.m. with the pre-race coverage on USA and also on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll race the distance of 220.5 miles over 90 laps. Uh, Stage 1 ends on lap 20. Stage 2, also 20 laps, ends on lap 40. And uh, the final stage is 50 laps, ending on lap 90. So uh, a lot to cover here in the uh, Cup Series. So... uh, We've got uh, Reddick uh, looking to make a, a tie here with another competitor. Indeed. Uh, last season, um, 
Well, actually, first, it looks like he can tie Kyle Larson's road course record this weekend. He looks to tie it, which is very impressive. Larson's had a tremendous amount of success in the road courses. Last season, a most Hendrick Motorsports driver, Kyle Larson's monster championship season in which he won 10 races, uh, included a record of becoming the only driver in series history to win on three different road courses in a single season, which was Sonoma, Watkins Glen, and the Charlotte Roval. Very impressive, really. Uh, this weekend, RCR's Tyler Reddick, which is the defending winner of the last two road course races on the schedule in Road America and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course, is looking to become the second driver in series history to accomplish the feat. And if Hendrick Reddick does, he, he will have won his road course events in consecutive order on the schedule, which makes it uh, even more impressive I don't know if he's the new Chase Elliott or not, but boy, has he really turned the heat up, Sharon, on the road courses this season. He's almost—he's the one to watch, in my opinion. I—I I, I believe Mike Orzel may have picked him, and a uh, pretty smart choice for sure, because he will be a factor on this one uh, for Sunday. Yes, indeed. Okay, there's uh, plenty of winners this season uh, with 15 different races through the first 24 races on the schedule. Uh, the next-gen car have combined for one of the best seasons of racing ever. Now, with two races left of the regular season, uh, everyone's wondering, will we see a 16th or possibly even a 17th different winner heading into the playoffs? If so, it would be the first time since the inception of the playoffs uh, that started in 2004 that the series has produced 16 or more winners in the first 26 races of any given year. On average, the Cup Series uh, has produced 12.4 different winners in the first 26 races of a season since the 2004. This season is tied with the 2011 season for the series' most different winners during the regular season with 15 different winners each. Uh, the 2022 season has two chances to break that tie, with the 2011 season this weekend at Watkins Glen and next weekend at Daytona. So uh, that is the big question everybody asks, and I think they've been asking all season long, is there going to be another new, different winner uh, this week? So we'll find out uh, on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it should be a fun one for sure. Um, Let's talk about the road course ringers to watch at Watkins Glen. And we're not talking about the road course specialists from years past. The Cup Series drivers have gotten so good at road course racing that they have become the new road course uh, winners on the circuit. Um, Heading into this weekend, there will be 14 active road course winners entered to compete on Sunday's Go Bowling at the Glen. Um, Let's take a look at the active winners in the Cup Series. You've got Chase Elliott with seven, Kyle Busch with four, Martin Truex Jr. with four, Kyle Larson three, Kevin Harvick with two, A.J. Allmendinger with two, Tyler Reddick with two, Joey Logano, Kurt Busch, Ryan Blaney, Christopher Bell, Denny Hamlin, Ross Chastain, Daniel Suarez all have a win apiece. Uh, Hendrick Motorsports teammates Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott have been the cars to beat at Watkins Run the last few seasons. Elliott won both 2018 and 2019, and then Larson won last season's event with Elliott running in second. Elliott will look to retake his crown as the active road course king this weekend as he does lead all active uh, drivers uh, on the circuit with seven wins uh, on the road courses. And if Elliott were to win this weekend, he would tie, believe it or not, NASCAR Hall of Famer 
Tony Stewart for the second most road course wins in the NASCAR Cup Series all time with eight each. That would be very impressive. That other guy, uh, Jeff Gordon, leads the Cup Series in road course wins with nine. So uh, that would be an impressive yeah, that would be such an impressive list to be a part of if he can do it. And he will do it. In fact, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Elliot becomes the all-time road course winner at some point in time. If he can't and get he's the win, doing it so early can. in his career. Oh, absolutely. That's the thing. He's got so many years left, Sharon, that um, he, he could end up with 15 or 20 road course wins alone, which would be quite impressive. Um, if he can't get the job done, though, maybe fans will get to see another new winner this weekend. I think personally that could happen. Um, with the series record five new winners in this season. Um, three of the first four road course races this year have produced three first-time winners, and that's Ross Chastain, Daniel Suarez, and Tyler Reddick, who all outdued uh, Chase Elliott for his first career win at Road America. Four Cup Series drivers all-time have posted their first series wins at Watkins Glen. Steve Park, Marcus Ambrose, A.J. Allmendinger, and Chase Elliott. So that uh, could very well be the case this weekend. Seven drivers that visited Victory Lane in the NASCAR Cup Series last season that are still looking for their first win. A.J. Allmendinger, as we already mentioned, he'll be a threat this weekend. Eric Almarola, Brad Keselowski, Bubba Wallace, Martin Truex Jr., Michael McDowell, and Ryan Blaney. Of course, Blaney trying to lock in a win as well as Martin Truex Jr. if they're to secure their spot in the 2022 playoffs. So uh, it should be fun to watch this weekend, no doubt. No doubt at all. Uh, talking about Blaney and Truex, uh, they are in a battle for that last playoff spot. Uh, following another 2022 season repeat winner at Richmond Raceway, Kevin Harvick, Team Penske's Ryan Blaney in 16th, and that's the uh, transfer spot. Uh, on points, has opened up his points cushion over Joe Gibbs Racing's Martin Truex Jr., who sits in 17th, the first spot outside of the playoffs. Uh, from 19 to 26 points, uh, just in that one race as they head into Watkins Glen International. Now with just two races to go, uh, tensions are uh, pretty uh, high for both of those drivers as they vie for that uh, final postseason spot. Now, Blaney posted his 12th top 10 finish this season at Richmond. That's what held, helped him hold on to that 16th spot in the playoff standings. Uh, the North Carolina native is hoping to make the playoffs for his sixth consecutive season of his career. Hard to believe he's been in for six years already. Uh, this year, uh, from 2017 to 2022. In 24 starts this season, he's put up eight top fives. He has an average finish of 13.2. So look for Blaney to uh, contend toward the front of the pack again this weekend at uh, Watkins Glen. Not only does Blaney have a Cup Series career win on a road course, he's won at the Charlotte Roval in 2018, but he's made five series starts at Watkins Glen, posting one top five and two top ten finishes. His average finish is a solid 11.6. So do you want to talk about uh, the next guy sitting in his rearview mirror? Yeah, absolutely. And that is none other than Martin Truex, Jr., who's in the 17th position in the playoff standings. 26 points behind Blaney in 16th. This season, Truex has made 24 starts 
uh, posting three top fives and 11 top tens. His average finish is 13.0. Truex is hoping to catch Blaney in these next two races and secure his spot in the postseason, uh, looking to reach his eighth consecutive playoff berth, which is actually very impressive. That's between 2015 to 2022. Truex is the only driver outside the playoff cutoff still eligible to make the postseason that has previously won at Watkins Glen. That was back in 2017. Watkins Glen is one of his better road courses in which with 15 starts, he's collected one win, seven top fives with 10 top tens with an average finish uh, at the 2.45 mile road course at 10.1. He finished third behind Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott in this race one year ago. So, uh, another really good opportunity for him to maybe get that first win of the season share and, and lock in his spot so he doesn't have to stress too much about Daytona next week. I don't think anyone wants to go through that. I, exactly. I think uh, both him and Ryan Blaney want to get that win this weekend, uh, and I'm sure both have uh, plenty of fans that are pulling for both of them. So we'll see what happens. Okay, now several of the drivers have already won this season and they've earned their spot in the playoffs. Uh, so th- uh, there's still some drivers that still need to clench that postseason spot by earning enough points no matter where they finish in the remaining races. Uh, they will not fall out of the top 30 in points. Once a driver has achieved that points total, they have officially clenched their spot into the postseason. So we'll break it down now. The following 10 drivers have already clinched a spot in the 16-driver field. Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Ross Chastain, Joey Logano, Christopher Bell, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, William Byron, Denny Hamlin, and Tyler Reddick. Uh, <clears throat> now these drivers can clinch on previous wins with a win by Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Chastain, Logano, Bell, Harvick, Kyle Busch, Byron, Bowman, Hamlin, Suarez, Reddick, Sendrick, Briscoe, or Kurt Busch. Alex Bowman, uh, uh, it looks like all of these drivers can actually clinch regardless of their finish. Uh, Bowman, Suarez, Sendrick, Chase Briscoe, and Kurt Busch. That's if there's uh, somebody who's had a previous, who has a win, uh, gets another win. So the following drivers can clinch on a previous win with a win by Brian Blaney or Martin Truex, Eric Almarola, Eric Jones, Daryl Wallace Jr., Bubba Wallace, <laughs> or Austin Dillon. These are all the drivers that are on that bubble. Uh, so Alex Bowman, if that happens, Alex Bowman would need four points, Suarez 22, Austin Sendrick needs 40 points, and Chase Briscoe needs 47. Uh, these drivers can clinch with previous wins uh, on previous wins with a win by Chris Busher. So Alex Bowman would just need the one point, Suarez 22, Cendric 37, Chase Briscoe with 44. Um, now, if there's a win by Justin Haley, Alex Bowman uh, wouldn't matter where he finishes. He would still clinch. Daniel Suarez would need three points, Austin Cendrick 20, Chase Briscoe 28. Now, if Ricky Stenhouse gets a win, then Bowman's going to win 
actually, four drivers can win regardless of their finish, or clinch, I should say, regardless of their finish. That's Bowman, Suarez, Sendrick, and Bristol. Kurt Busch, however, would still need 41 points. Uh, if Cole Custer wins, then uh, four drivers again would clinch the same four drivers, Bowman, Suarez, Sendrick, and Briscoe. And in this case, Kurt Busch would just need the 33 points. Uh, if, uh, if there's a win by McDowell, uh, Michael McDowell, Brad Keselowski, or a win by another winless driver, driver lower in the standings, uh, again, the four drivers would win regardless of their uh, – would clinch regardless of their finish, Bowman, Suarez, Sendrick, and Briscoe, but Kurt Busch would need 23 points. If there's a win by Harrison Burton or another driver lower in – winless and lower in the standings, uh, Kurt Busch would need the 16 points. Those other four drivers, Bowman, Suarez, Sendrick, and Briscoe would clinch uh, regardless of their finish. Uh, same is true with Todd Gilliland if he wins or a driver lower in the standings that is winless. Uh, Kurt Busch would be added to the list of drivers that could clinch regardless of a of the finish. Now, these drivers uh, can clinch on a win alone. That's Ryan Blaney, Martin Truex, Alex Bowman, Daniel Suarez, Austin Sendrick, Chase Briscoe, or Kurt Busch. Uh, and then the following drivers can only clinch uh, with a win. Uh, Eric Almarola would clinch with 44 points. Eric Jones with 56. Bubba Wallace can clinch, can only do it with a win. And Austin Dillon can only clinch with a win. So uh, that's pretty much the different clinch scenarios for the Cup Series. So we've mentioned Chase Elliott a few times here tonight. We're going to mention mention that guy one more time here. And it is for a pretty big reason, too, uh, and that's because he can win the regular season championship uh, this Sunday at Watkins Glen. Um, he can clinch the regular season championship um, by scoring just four points, believe it or not. I think he'll be okay as far as that's concerned, mm-hmm. uh, the Austinville, Georgia native has uh, grown his points cushion over second place Ryan Blaney to 116 points going into this weekend's event in upstate New York. So once Elliott gains four points and crosses the 120-point threshold, Blaney can't catch him in just two races. Though mathematically possible to not achieve this clinch this weekend, Elliott's likelihood of becoming the fifth different regular season champion on Sunday is quite good. If he accomplishes this feat, he will join Martin Truex Jr. in 2017, Kyle Busch 2018-2019, Kevin Harvick 2020, and Kyle Larson in 2021. So uh, certainly a feat that I suspect he will accomplish this weekend and uh, certainly will be nice to get that wrapped up. Okay. Uh, we've got uh, some drivers that are going to be uh, giving their first appearance uh, but some previous drivers who have made their first appearance at Watkins Glen include Buck Baker in 57, Billy Wade in 64, and Tim Richmond in 1986. But uh, we've got uh, an F1 driver coming over to make his first appearance at uh, Watkins Glen in a NASCAR stock car. 
Yeah, this is really exciting, actually. This this whole program in itself, which is called Project 91, is the third track house racing car that is intended to bring drivers with uh, international racing experience and from other racing disciplines the opportunity to go Cup Series racing. This is the first race for this team uh, in which 2007 Formula One world champion Kimi Raikkonen will become the first driver to join Project 91 this weekend uh, for the NASCAR Cup Series Go Bowling at the Glen. Um, the goal is to expand the organization's international reach by fielding a Cup Series entry for renowned international racing drivers. Trackhouse Racing, a division of Trackhouse Entertainment Group, uh, also fields the 99 for Daniel Suarez and the number one for Ross Chastain. Uh, in a quote from team owner Justin Marks, Kimi Raikkonen is the driver I first had in mind when we created Project 91. Kimi is a world-renowned driver with a tremendous amount of talent and fan following. Uh, veteran crew chief Darian Grubb, who has won 23 NASCAR Cup Series races, will lead the effort this weekend. Um, in a quote from Raikkonen, he said, I wasn't looking to race again, but Justin came to my home in Switzerland and convinced me how serious he was about putting together a top-notch program. This will be fun, but it's something I will take very seriously. I know how competitive the NASCAR Cup Series is, and it will be a big challenge. Of course, Raikkonen retired from Formula One in 2021 after competing with the sober McLaren, Ferrari, Lotus, and Alfa Romero teams since he started in 2001. A native of Espoo, Finland, has won 21 races and stood on 103 podiums in his career, certainly a very impressive career. This will not be Raikkonen's first venture into NASCAR. He competed in the NASCAR Xfinity Series and the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series races at Charlotte in May 2011. He could very well be put on a great show this weekend, as I hope he does, um, as three NASCAR Cup Series drivers have won at Watkins Glen in their first appearance at the track, and those drivers were Buck Baker, Billy Wade, and Tim Richmond. Uh, those uh, back in 1957, 1964, and 1986, respectively. So going to be a fun one this weekend. I, I've been looking forward to this to see how he does and um, hopeful that he does well. Well, there's definitely going to be an international flair uh, because there's a series record seven countries represented at the Glen this weekend. Uh, this weekend's interlist definitely has that international flair. Uh, again, seven different countries amongst the competitors in the Go Bowling at the Glen on Sunday. Uh, let's start with uh, Daniel Suarez from Mexico. Uh, but there's also sports car aces like Mike Rockenfeller from Germany, Kyle Tilley from England, NASCAR Euro Series champ Loris Hesemans from the Netherlands, and a pair of F1 drivers. We mentioned Kimi Räikkönen of Finland and his talented Russian driver, uh, the Daniel Kvyat. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, before this weekend's race at Watkins Glen, the previous Cup Series record for the most countries in a single race was six different countries, and it happened twice. Uh, in both of those cases, most of the competitors represented the United States, but the five other countries also representative in, as well. Uh, in the first instance, was at Sonoma Raceway in 2010 with uh, John Magnuson from Denmark, Juan Pablo Matoya from Colombia, Marcus Ambrose from Australia, Matthias Extra from Sweden, and Max Pappas from
from Italy. The second time it happened was at Watkins Glen back in 2013, and uh, at that time they had Juan Pablo Montoya, again from Colombia, Marcus Ambrose, Owen Kelly, both from Australia, Max Pappas from Italy, Victor Gonzalez Jr. from Puerto Rico, and Ron Fellows from Canada. So uh, we're going to see some international uh, driving this weekend on the road course at Watkins Glen. Uh, We are, and that's what's going to be a lot of fun. I I really do look forward to that. Um, So let's see, taking a look here. Um, Going road course racing at Watkins Glen this weekend. Tensions are high, and the anticipation is running rampant against competitors as the NASCAR Cup Series prepares for its penultimate race of the 2022 regular season, uh, which, of course, is the goal bowling at the Glen this Sunday. As we've already mentioned, um, it is the fifth of six road course races on the 2022 schedule, joining Circuit of the Americas, Sonoma Raceway, Road America, Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course. And after this weekend, of course, just one left. That'll be the Roval as part of the 2022 playoffs. It'll be the 39th running of a Cup Series event on this historic 2.45-mile road course located near Watkins Glen, New York, known as Watkins Glen International. Racing in the Watkins Glen area began on the streets of uh, the city, but after several events were held, a permanent facility was opened in 1956. The first Cup Series event at Watkins Glen was on August 4, 1957, won by Buck Baker, with an average speed of 83.064 miles an hour, driving a, you know, a 57 Chevrolet, and over the years, the Cup Series has changed the length of the race three times. The first Cup Series event was 101.2 miles. The second race was 161.7 miles. And the third race was 151.8 miles. Every race since then has been scheduled for 220.5 miles, which equates to 90 laps. Uh, The previous 38 Cup Series races at Watkins Glen have produced 22 different pole winners and 24 different race winners. Hall of Famers Dale Earnhardt, Mark Martin, Jeff Gordon lead the NASCAR Cup Series in poles with three poles each. And Joe Gibbs Racing's Kyle Busch leads all active drivers in poles with two. Now it's back in 2011 and 2017. Five of the 22 Cup Series pole winners at Watkins Glen are active this weekend, that being Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, A.J. Allmendinger, and Kurt Busch. Um, NASCAR Hall of Famer Tony Stewart leads um, Cup Series victories at Watkins Glen with five. That goes back to 02, 04, 05, 07, and 09. One win shy of tying the series record for most road course wins at a single track at six, which is held by Hall of Famer Bobby Allison. That was at the Riverside Raceway. Hendrick Motorsports driver Chase Elliott and Joe Gibbs Racing's Kyle Busch lead all active Cup Series drivers and wins at Watkins Glen with two victories each. Elliott's Hendrick Motorsports teammate and 21 Series champ Kyle Larson is the most recent winner at the track. Of course, that was last season. Um, and eight of the 24 Cup Series winners at Watkins Glen are active this weekend, those being Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin, Joey Logano, A.J. Allmendinger, and Kevin Harvick. All the Cup Series on-track activity begins with practice. Of course, that is going to be on Saturday, practice and qualifying. Uh, should be good. Uh, a lot of um, a lot of active road course winners in the field, Sharon, so I suspect they'll all be in contention for strong finishes in the win on Sunday. Yeah, I think this is going to be an exciting race. Uh, I I love the road course racing, uh, and I think Watkins Glen 
uh, is uh, going to be just as fun as all the other road courses to watch this weekend. Uh, but they've got that added uh, pressure of the two drivers that uh, are trying. Well, it's more than two drivers that would love to get a win uh, this weekend to be in the uh, postseason playoffs. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I, 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 I'm, I'm hoping for Martin Truex Jr. to get that win and get in. Uh, but I'm hoping it's also a turning point for the way he's been running this season. For whatever reason, it seems like uh, they've been up there contending, but they tend to fade at the end of the race. Well, maybe this weekend can turn it around, and certainly um... – if you're that team, you'd rather try to get the victory uh, this weekend instead of relying upon Daytona. We all know what can happen there. So uh, hopefully for his sake and his team's sake, they can uh, get the job done on Sunday. I know that make you pretty happy, I'm sure, and uh, hopefully they can they can get it done. Yes, indeed. I hope they do. Uh, I should have you back every week, Andy, because I'll tell you what, we got through all of that uh, information in record time. <laughs> yeah, no, that was good. Uh certainly enjoyed that, you know. I, I try to try to improve upon my craft a little bit every time I get to do these full shows and uh you know, it's uh, a lot of information to get through because there's so much racing going on this weekend, but it's it's fun to talk about it because um uh as I mentioned at the top of the show, road course racing, especially Watkins Glen is amongst my personal favorite race weekends each year, so it's fun to be on and uh, certainly fun to talk about it. Um you know, really, really looking forward to this weekend. Yes, I, I believe the only two series that are not racing this weekend is the uh, Truck Series and uh, the ARCA East Series. I didn't get a chance to tell everybody uh, the next time that the ARCA East will be racing. Uh, their next race, let me go ahead and tell you that now, is the Specker 150 that will take place on August the 28th at 2 p.m. Central Time. That's 3 p.m. Eastern. Out at the Milwaukee Mile, uh, it will be available for live streaming at MAV-TV. That includes flow racing, uh, and uh, fans will be able to watch it there. Radio coverage, of course, will be at ARCARacing.com. So uh, that's going to be another good one to watch. Yeah, certainly looking forward to that. I would agree. That should be a good one. Um, you know, definitely uh, looking forward to getting the E-Series back in action. But uh, if you're a race fan and you're looking for ARCA racing events, uh, plenty of that this weekend. I think the um, the Watkins Glen race actually is live tomorrow night on Fox Sports 1. I intend to watch that one. That should be a good one. And, of course, uh, the Evergreen event should be a, a fun one, too. So uh, really looking forward to, to those races and, uh, you know, um, the uh, the ARCA series on the road courses is always uh, entertaining, so I would expect nothing less for tomorrow night. Uh-huh. It, it is going to be fun. There's What I like is you get all of these different racers that are coming into the series and can be spoilers, uh, but these ARCA racing drivers are kind of keeping up with them uh, and giving them a challenge as well. So uh, I think it's going to be fun to see how it all plays out. Ryan Unsinger, Unsicker uh, is one to really watch at that Illinois State Fairgrounds. Uh, uh, he, as, they, as we mentioned earlier, he has won there before, and uh, he'll be one of the favorites to win this weekend for sure. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Um, 
coming up on our uh, Hot Topic Sound Off. I was just checking to see if we've heard from Tommy. I don't think we've heard from Tommy yet. Uh, but uh, it sounds like it's going to be uh, the three amigos tonight, uh, Andy, with yourself, myself, and uh, Mike Orzel joining us for Hot Topics tonight. Yeah, looking forward to it. You know, certainly some stuff that's uh, developed since our show on Monday. So um, Hot Topics is always uh, entertaining, and uh, I would expect nothing less. Uh, certainly plenty of uh, plenty of things that we'll be uh, taking a look at here in the next hour, so it should be fun. And we definitely will be. I'm going to go ahead and bring Mike into the queue. Let me see. It's going to take just a second or two here. Mike, you're on. Welcome to the show. Hello. Good evening, everybody. Okay. I was telling Andy it's going to be the three of us here tonight. I haven't heard from uh, uh, Tommy, uh, so it doesn't sound like he's going to be able to make it. But uh, uh, why don't we have you kind of help kick us off with our first topic here tonight? Well, this is kind of a follow-up from what we talked about on Monday, but uh, they made it official today. Kurt Busch will be sitting out for not just this weekend at Watkins Glen, but they also confirmed today he's going to be skipping uh, Daytona next weekend. So expect to see Kurt Busch back no sooner than the first playoff race for the Southern 500 at Darlington. Okay, Andy, your thoughts about uh, Kurt Busch uh, skipping these two races? I think it makes total sense, really, especially having a playoff waiver. Um, there's really no sense in, in risking further injury at a place like Watkins Glen or Daytona. We all know the kinds of crashes uh, that can be produced at these races. Um, I think it's a very smart move from Kurt's you know, personal perspective in trying to remain healthy and also the team's perspective in trying to keep their driver healthy. Um, I'm sure Kurt wants to go race for a championship and the best way to do that is to avoid these next two races. I hate to say it. Obviously, as a Kurt Busch fan, you want to see your driver out there on the track. But from a from a health standpoint, it makes total sense. Uh, and it gives Ty Gibbs two more opportunities to get some valuable Cup Series experience. So um, a very, very smart move by all parties involved. And um, I think that uh, that move could pay dividends for Kurt uh, going into the 10-race playoffs. Yeah, I would agree, and uh, we did touch on this a little bit on Monday night, uh, but uh, Kurt Busch does have that waiver, uh, so right now it sounds like he's planning on coming back for the first race of the playoff, uh, and uh, in that first round, I think he's going to need a win if he wants to get into the next round, uh, so why not be as fresh as you can be to come into the playoffs? especially given the circumstances. So it just gives his body that uh, extra time to uh, recover and uh, become healthier and uh, gives him uh, a good running start, if you will, uh, at a time when he really needs that uh, in that first round of the playoffs uh, if he wants to advance on. So, yeah, I think it makes all the sense in the world. And, uh uh, Mike, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. So I may be reading between the lines where maybe there isn't something between those lines, but there's some interesting verbiage in the announcement today. 
Uh, previous announcements, Curtis specifically said that he was not cleared to participate in the race that was coming up that you know, was part of that announcement that he was sitting out. And those words, not cleared, didn't appear in today's announcement. I don't know if that's just a coincidence or, like I said, if I'm reading into something that's really not there, but it's possible that Kurt has been medically cleared but is now making the decision to sit out these uh, these next two races, kind of for the reasons that we talked about where Watkins Glen and Daytona are both high-risk, low-reward kind of races for him where there's a significant risk of aggravating his injury. And, yes, he could potentially win at Watkins Glen or Daytona. I don't want to take that away from him but the likelihood of him winning those races is fairly low given the risk that's involved there. That kind of risk versus reward equation just wasn't there. So hopefully this does mean that Kurt has been medically cleared and the decision to sit out this week and next week are more along the lines of making sure that he remains medically cleared and not risking that clearance status for two races that have very little upside for him to participate in and a lot of potential downside. Uh, I'm not sure exactly whether that's true or not. It's just speculation on my part, but something interesting I did notice with that today. Okay, Andy, your thoughts? Uh, No particular follow-up on this one. Um, You know, it will be – the speculation is rampant for sure, and I think we'll probably get to this regarding uh, Kyle in a little bit, but – yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but certainly the fact that Ty's getting all this experience, I think, um, you know, might might be alluding to something for down the road, I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, it is kind of interesting. Uh, he's been doing a fantastic job, Ty Gibbs, in that number uh, 45 uh, Chevrolet. Uh, and is it a Chevrolet or a Toyota? I guess it's a Chevrolet, right? It's a Toyota. Oh, it is a Toyota. Okay, you're right. It's I suspect, a Toyota. Um, I suspect Joe Gibbs wouldn't be too pleased if it was a Chevrolet. No, it's it's a Toyota. Yeah, over at twenty three eleven. Okay, so Trackhouse is Toyota. Okay, um, I don't know why I was thinking it was uh, Chevrolet, um, but I guess it's uh, actually twenty three eleven. So um, that is. Um, <clears throat> That is good experience for Ty Gibbs, and uh, I think that uh, it's good that he's going to get that extra seat time. I did see one person bring up how many races can he race this year uh, and not affect his rookie status if he were to come up into the Cup Series, say, next year. And uh, the response from uh, Bob Pachris, uh was that it's really on a case-by-case basis uh, dependent on what the circumstances are. So it will be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but uh, I thought it was an interesting question uh, to be brought up. Uh, I think Ty Gibbs has shown a lot of maturity in, in the few races he's run so far this season in that number 45. And uh, I do think that uh, he's certainly deserving of continuing on in that seat. Um, as far as uh, the um, uh, announcement, it's really ambiguous. It doesn't really say one way or the other, but you're right, Mike, in previous statements, I guess they've said that uh, the doctor hasn't cleared him yet. Uh, this one doesn't say those words specifically, uh, 
but he just he say, he does say that the time is not right uh to return to the car just yet and uh as we've already outlined uh it does seem to make a lot of sense for him to sit out and continue that recovery so uh we'll see what happens uh but you get the final word mike well, I think, like you said, that 45 is in very good hands. It's it's beneficial for all parties involved. Kurt Busch gets the benefit because he gets the additional weeks of rest. Ty Gibbs gets the benefit because it's a relatively low threat. No one really expects Ty Gibbs to go out there and win Cup Series races. And it's not even his rookie season. He's just literally thrown into the car. So Ty Gibbs gets the benefit of experience in – about as low of a pressure situation as the Cup Series can get. I don't know that I would ever say the Cup Series is low pressure, but in, in this circumstance, it's probably about as low of pressure as you could expect for a pre-rookie kind of a driver. So great opportunity for Ty Gibbs, and the 45 car still gets to get out on the track, represent their sponsors. And Ty Gibbs has been doing a very good job, very respectable for his level of experience. He's held his own out there. Uh, hasn't really been contending for wins, but he does have one top 10 and has been in the top 20, at least running in the top 20 for all these races. He had a mechanical failure this past weekend, but he's been running about where the 45 car runs most weeks, and it's really hard to expect anything better out of him. Now, with regard to Kurt Busch in the playoffs, he's not in as terrible of a position as you would think. Yes, he's in a very precarious position right now where if we have two new winners this weekend at Watkins Glen and then again at Daytona, Kurt Busch would be the lowest-scored driver in regular season points with one win. So two additional winners would eliminate Kurt Busch from the playoffs with his one win. Um, But – if Kurt Busch is not eliminated from the playoffs, if we have a repeat winner either this weekend or next weekend, then Kurt Busch is in the playoffs, and he gets the benefit from the playoff points he earned earlier this season. He has seven of them. He got five for his win at Kansas, as well as two points for two stage wins earlier this year. So Kurt Busch would start the playoffs with seven playoff points. I believe last I saw that puts him 12th or 13th overall in the playoff standings. Not a great position to be in. But nowhere near as terrible as he's sitting right now in the regular season standings. So this this medical issue that Kurt has had with the concussion that he got at Pocono, not ideal, certainly not ideal, but it's also not season-ending as well. Kurt Busch definitely has a legitimate chance to continue advancing through the playoffs and could theoretically at least win the championship this year. And what a story that would be. Absolutely. Uh, Andy, you get to pick our next top topic. Yeah, and, you know, this is something we alluded to earlier in the show, but these were comments coming from uh, Greg Zipidelli from Stuart Haas Racing uh, regarding the future of their Cup Series program, in which he said at this particular time the plan would be for Cole Custer to return to the 41 car, and they are trying to iron out their future plans for the 10 car. Curious what you think about that. Okay. Uh, is that on the team's board, Andy? Uh, I'm not sure. I could take a look, I, but um, certainly, um, you know, something if that it, I thought. If it's not, that's okay. I just want to add it. If it's not, uh, okay, Mike. What are your thoughts? Sure, Greg Zipidelli. If uh, if you're not aware, is the uh, I believe he's the director of competition at Stuart Haas Racing. So certainly somebody who'd be in the position to know. And I did see what you, what Andy's referring to regarding Zippy's comments about the 41 mm-hmm. car as well as the 10. Um, 
Interesting to hear because there have been a lot of rumors that Cole Custer was going to be out of that 41 car uh, and then potentially Kyle Busch into the 41 car. Um, apparently, that 41 is, is all but secure for next year. Don't forget that Cole Custer has family connections. His dad is uh, he's a, he's some vice president position at Stuart Haas Racing. Don't, don't quote me on that. But uh, Cole Custer's dad does have a, a fairly – decent executive position at Stuart Haas Racing, and I'm sure that plays into the decision for Cole Custer to stay in that car. He's had a rough go of it. He did have that one win at Kentucky last year or two years ago, and other than that, the 41 car has had an abysmal year this year. He's had two fires back-to-back where the, the car is literally caught on fire on the racetrack, not necessarily Cole's fault, but just kind of serves to highlight some of the bad luck that Cole has had, and even when the car holds together, the 41 really has not been a contender this year. So seeing Cole Custer come back for another year, maybe they can right the ship and get that car back to being competitive because right now the 41 is uh, a weak link at Stuart Haas, which Kevin Harvick notwithstanding, Stuart Haas has been a team full of weak links for the past couple of years. So hopefully Cole Custer can get his feet under him and, and, and bring that 41 car back into contention with Stuart Haas. Okay, yeah, I I agree. I think it's good that uh, Cole Custers is going to be back. Uh, I do think that the organization as a whole has not had as good of results as we're used to seeing from Stuart Haas Racing, Uh, but the fact that Kevin Harvick has won these last two races certainly give uh, fans of Stuart Haas Racing that hope uh, that the other cars will benefit uh, from the momentum that's being built by Kevin Harvick right now. So hopefully we'll see that happen, and it wouldn't be just the, the uh, 30, 41 of uh, Cole Custer, but you've got Chase Briscoe there. And uh, the big thing, and the thing that Greg Zipidelli uh, alluded to, is that their focus is really on the 10 and who's going to drive the 10 for next season. Uh, there's been some speculation that maybe Eric Almarola will be back, uh, but it sounds like they're working on trying to find a driver for that seat. So um, uh, that, I think, is going to be the big news coming out of Stuart House Racing. Uh, but uh, I, I do hope that they they figured something out that's going to turn the ship there and uh, kind of that will trickle down to all of the drivers within that organization. Andy, your thoughts? Uh, interesting in my mind, you know, to, that they would that they would um, bring Cole back. You know, there had been some rumors about possibly Kyle Busch taking over the 41 car, and you know, certainly, if you have the opportunity to bring in a driver like that to your organization, um, you'll do what it takes to make that happen. It seems as if that's cooled off a bit. Um, Maybe maybe the 10 car has become the focal point for, for that to happen. I'm not sure. Um, you keep hearing about Eric Almarola maybe retiring, maybe not retiring. Seems as if that's still yet to be determined. Um, nothing against Custer, but it's been a struggle. This is his third season now. And, you know, if you look at the, his stats, he's regressed really since his rookie season um, in which he made the playoffs and won a race. But, you know, his last season was a struggle, and this season has been worse yet. So um not really sure what the deal is. Um, you know, obviously a driver that can win races. He was very good in the Xfinity Series. 
uh, won a lot of races over there and ran very well. And he's won an Xfinity race just this season alone. So, you know, he knows how to drive a race car, but for whatever reason, the Cup Series has been a, a struggle, quite frankly. Um, you know, and, and certainly that's been amplified this season, perhaps more than the previous two seasons. And so, um, you know, I, I guess that they're willing to give him another chance. That's a good thing. Um, you know, maybe maybe things will change. I don't know. You know, you certainly hope that they do. Um, but um, also curious to see what happens with the 10 car as of, already mentioned it seems like there's a lot of uncertainty about who's going to be in that car and i'm sure it's all sponsorship driven and, and whatnot so it'll be interesting to see but it seems as if there's you know a lot of um a lot of uncertainty as far as what that team's going to do in the future but you know certainly um there there is work to be done if they are to you know, get all four of their cars being competitive again. I will disagree with Mike a little bit, and I am going to be biased in saying Briscoe hasn't been terrible this year. Uh, he did win the race at Phoenix, and that wasn't a win that was handed to him. He won that race flat out. And they've had their ups and downs, but they've had some decent runs in there. So I, I'm not going to say that the whole organization's been garbage. Um, they've, they've certainly had their flashes in the pan, but certainly the whole team has to get better and they have to get more consistent if they expect to go anywhere in the playoffs. Otherwise, it'll be a very quick one. So uh, I do agree that work has to be done, but certainly with Kevin winning, um, they seem to be headed hopefully on the right track for doing what they need to do um, to try to to make somewhat of a playoff run. Otherwise, it's not going to get very far. So um, I guess to close it out, you know, I – I am curious what this team does do in the future uh, as far as the 10 and 41 cars are concerned. Um, you know, I would hope that they would try to bolster their their roster to try to make the team more competitive because uh, it has been a struggle. There's no doubt about that. Last season was abysmal, and, and this season's been very inconsistent. Um, and, you know, certainly I think there's, there is room for improvement if they uh, – expect to win races on a consistent basis. Yep, I totally agree with you. Um, I, I think that uh, there's not a whole lot for there for me to add. Uh, I do agree that uh, Chase, not Chase, I'm talking about Cole Custer. Uh, Cole Custer certainly needs room for improvement. Uh, and, and I forget who said it now, He said, but he, he has digressed because his rookie season he was the only uh, rookie that made it into the playoffs, and that was with a win. So we know he's capable of winning. Uh, that was, of course, in the old car, uh, not this new car, which has a, a, a big learning curve. And even some of the veteran drivers are struggling with learning this new next-gen car. So I can't put all of that on on uh, Cole Custer necessarily, uh, but – uh, uh, again, if he can glean, uh, you know, from the other teams that are, are in his organization and uh, learn from them what can be done better in the Cup Series with the new next-gen car, that's going to be a positive uh, for him. But uh, uh, I would say this, that if he, if he struggles again next year, in that car while everybody else is doing well, uh, let's say Kevin Harvick uh, takes his momentum from this season into next season, 
then you've got to start asking if it is the driver. And, I, and I'm a fan of Cole Custer, but uh, at some point you've got to get the results. And I think he's capable of it. I've seen him up in racing up in the top ten and around the top ten uh, this season in spite of the fact that it's a new car. Uh, but uh, we've got to start seeing some wins from Cole Custer. I think I think he's capable of it, and we just need to start seeing it. So, um, and the the idea of uh, Kurt Busch coming into the number ten at Stuart Haas Racing, I think, is an interesting idea because uh, I think he could add a lot to that organization uh, and help them get that ship righted. So we'll see what happens. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities, a lot still uh, of T's to be crossed and uh, the I's to be dotted uh, before we know how that's going to play out, but uh, certainly interesting. So, Andy, you you get the final word here. Um, I don't really have follow-up to this, but, uh, Mike, do you have any follow-up by chance? Well, I'm not, I'm not going to really address the 10 yet because we've got another hot topic here to discuss momentarily, which I'm sure the 10 car is going to feature into prominently. But with regard to the 41 car, uh, you've all really hit the, the nail on the head with it. There's got to be some sort of an improvement with the 41. Uh, they've really got nowhere to go but up at this point. I really hope they've hit rock bottom because too much worse and they're going to be in Rick Ware Racing kind of territory, which is not what you would expect from an organization like Stuart Haas. So hopefully getting some stability with knowing that Cole Custer's coming back for another year, maybe – maybe that stability will help improve that team and they can start getting some of the results that they enjoyed about two years ago. Okay. Uh, again, I don't have any, any more to say. Uh, so Mike, we'll move on to the next hot topic. Well, here we go. Uh, time for the weekly edition of the Kyle Bush as the KFB turns soap opera um, on the door bumper clear podcast. Uh, it sounded like Corey LaJoy said emphatically and with authority that Kyle Busch will not be back in the 18 next year. Obviously, nothing official has been announced from Joe Gibbs, Kyle Busch, or anyone in in a position of authority. But I would say that Corey LaJoy is just the latest of quite a few people who I wouldn't say that they're in the position to know, but they certainly are in a better position to know more things than we are. And Corey LaJoy is another one who is saying in no uncertain terms that Kyle Busch is out of the 18 and kind of pointed towards the Stuart Haas 10 as well as two mystery Chevy teams uh, as the two potential additional landing spots for Kyle Busch. So I'm interested to hear what, what rumor mills have you guys been listening to? Uh, Andy. Yeah, this is interesting. It seems as if it's um, changing by the week, certainly. For a while, uh, we had heard that it might be the 41 car, but that rumor was a bit dispelled uh, a couple days ago by Greg Zipidelli. Um, You know, I've heard that it's steering away from SHR, and uh, the colleague team seems to be at the, uh, the head of it. I'm not sure who the other Chevy team is, but um, I mean, if you're if you're a team trying to bolster your program, why not go for Kyle Busch? I mean, um, he is by and by and far a long ways ahead of any other free agent uh, as far as the value that he'd bring to your team. Um, and I I would say that uh, whoever can land him 
it's a huge home run, and and if you're Joe Gibbs Racing and Toyota, you've performed an epic failure. If you have failed to keep a guy like that in your car, you have 1,000% done something wrong, and I know that's another topic for debate here in a bit, but, um, you know, I, I applaud any team that's making a push to go after him because that would be a huge win for any organization that's um, in the business of trying to win races and championships. Yeah, I agree with you, Andy. And and actually, this started with a comment uh, posted on Adam Stern's Twitter account uh, with a quote from Daniel Suarez. He said, in my opinion, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing hasn't done a good job of selling Kyle Busch. They've known that M&M's is leaving for a long time, and they haven't been able to find anything. I find that surprising. And uh, that's uh, via actually Nate Ryan. Uh, and in a conversation that he had with Kyle, uh, with uh, Daniel Suarez, I I agree with that, you know. Uh, and Andy, you you mentioned it as well. If if you haven't been able to hang on uh, to a driver the caliber of Kyle Busch, uh, something's definitely wrong. There should be sponsorship out there for for Kyle Busch, and he's brought a lot of sponsors into this sport. So uh, to not be able to find a sponsor. For Kyle Busch is is a pretty sad state of affairs. Um, <clears throat> so moving forward, uh, I guess the rumors I've heard too is that, uh, and you're saying that Corey LaJoyce kind of confirmed it, uh, that Kyle won't be back in the number 18 uh, for this season or for next season, uh, and uh, so the the options are I guess the Stuart House Racing number 10 or a TBD calling car, as uh, Mike puts it. Um, it, it, it. Either one of those organizations uh, would be huge. But you know that Kyle Busch is looking at this as uh, not just from his perspective as a driver. He's also looking at this at the, at the perspective of a team owner and uh, his own organization, Kyle Busch Motorsports. And he has said that that is a part of any discussion that he's having with any of these teams. So uh, it's interesting that Stuart Racing, of course, of course, is a Ford organization. Uh, the Colleg Racing is a Chevy organization. So it sounds like uh, he's at the point of jumping ship with Toyota and uh, going to the other side. I don't want to say the dark side, uh, but from Toyota's perspective, I'm sure they're looking at it like that. Uh, a few years ago, I think it was Jack Roush that said that about uh, uh, somebody leaving his organization and going to the dark side. Um, we'll have to see how it plays out. Uh, we know that uh, he's talking to other organizations. Uh, we know that Kyle Busch Motorsports is a big part of that. So if he's switching to a Ford or a Chevrolet, uh, you got to think that uh, these guys are really – uh, hoping to bring Kyle Busch into their fold from a manufacturing perspective. Uh, I think I, I mentioned this before that Ford lost some of their executives to Chevrolet, and that uh, was me reading between the lines as to uh, maybe it's taking time for their executives to kind of um, kind of climb go through their learning curve within the organization uh, and to keep uh, uh, Toyota uh, uh, in in uh, the top-running form that we've known them to be in in the past. 
So, again, if Kyle Busch goes to either Chevrolet or uh, Ford, it's going to be a huge, huge story because he's bringing Kyle Busch Motorsports with him. So, Mike, your thoughts? You guys kind of nailed it, where if, if Toyota, not just Joe Gibbs Racing, but if Toyota lets a guy like Kyle Busch get away, that's huge. I, Toyota basically is the house that Kyle Busch built in terms of, of NASCAR Cup Series mm-hmm. racing. He was one of their first. Uh, yes, I understand they had Michael Waltrip Racing, and Michael Waltrip Racing had some decent years. But realistically, when people think of Toyota drivers in the NASCAR Cup Series, Probably the first household name that comes to mind is Kyle Busch. And if Toyota is letting Kyle Busch slip away, they're not just losing the driver of the 18 car, but they're also losing effectively their development program. Kyle Busch Motorsports is the development program for Toyota from the truck series. Then they race in the Joe Gibbs Racing Xfinity Series cars before ending up in the NASCAR Cup Series. So if Toyota's losing Kyle Busch, that means they're most likely giving up their truck series development program as well. Now, I understand they have Thor Sport, which runs Toyotas in in uh, in the truck series, but ThorSport isn't really a development program type of an organization. They have Ben Rhodes, and maybe Ben Rhodes eventually works his way up into the Cup Series. Same thing with Ty Majeski, but they don't, they're not really the development program pipeline that you think of when you think of Kyle Busch Motorsports. So if Toyota is willing to let not just Kyle Busch the driver go, but to Kyle Busch the team owner and the associated development pipeline that goes with him, it's a huge consideration on their part. Obviously, the numbers just didn't work out in order to make that happen, but you would figure that if they were serious about keeping him, even without a third-party sponsor, Toyota would have put a factory sponsorship on the Kyle Busch to keep him in the 18 car, and it just sounds like that's not happening. I'm not sure if there were some toes that were stepped on, some feelings that were hurt. I'm sure there has been. Uh, it is business, but to a certain extent, there is, I'm sure, some toes to be stepped on and some feelings to be hurt there. But it's just, it, it, it just I know I was very very cool about Kyle Busch leaving Toyota and Joe Gibbs Racing. I said emphatically, um, even less than a month ago, that he wasn't going anywhere. Get a break yeah. in? Yeah, I Have need to break it. in. I'm sorry, Mike. Um, <laughs> we're at that time of the night that I do an announcement for, our, especially our first-time listeners. If you haven't listened before, uh, we go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, that it's probably going to be mid-sentence. Uh, to let you know, we are going to continue to record the rest of our conversation, and that's available on our podcast. Uh, and I'll come out on Twitter to let you know that the podcast is available. I also do a posting on Facebook uh, just so that fans know that at that point, all they have to do is fast-forward to the player at fanforracing.com. Just fast-forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of that conversation. So we didn't want to catch anybody off guard and not know how they can hear the rest of us, the rest of the show, and uh, that's the info you need. But, Mike, go ahead and finish up your thought. My apologies for the interruption. 
Oh, not a problem. I wasn't even looking at the clock, and I should have been. But anyway, so talking about the departure of Kyle Busch Motorsports, Kyle Busch has said in several interviews, including as recent as last week, that the 50 or so employees that he has at Kyle Busch Motorsports is a huge consideration for him. He's responsible not just for the race car he's driving, but he's responsible for the livelihood of all those employees at Kyle Busch Motorsports. So protecting that company, those people, and their jobs is a big consideration for him. And the other interesting thing that he said, it's kind of his long-term career sunset plan is in about eight years or so when Brexton Bush, uh, Kyle's son, is eligible to race in the truck series. Kyle Bush's last year or two in NASCAR, he says he wants to share a truck with Brexton for a year or two and then hand the keys to the truck over when Brexton's old enough to, to race full-time. So that tells me that Kyle Bush maybe even more important to him than his NASCAR Cup Series future is the future of Kyle Busch Motorsports. So whatever deal that comes out, whether it be with Chevy, with Ford, or Toyota is able to put something together, it sounds almost like it's more important to Kyle Busch that his Truck Series team is taken care of for the long-term future, even more so than him as a driver himself. Yes, indeed. Andy, your follow-up? Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, whatever Kyle does in the future, um, you know, his truck series program, I think, is a big factor in what happens. And obviously, um, should he change manufacturers, that's a pretty big loss for Toyota um, and a really big gain for some other manufacturers. So be curious to see what happens. But, um, you know, obviously a lot of moving parts involved here. I wanted to touch base on the Daniel Suarez comments. Um, Kind of interesting for him. to make those claims, you know, I'm sure that, you know, Joe Gibbs Racing uh, has been doing all that they can. But, uh, you know, I think for quite some time now, one of the bigger things at play here is, is, is Bush's salary, which is probably the highest in the series or amongst the highest in the series, which makes himself a bit of a tough sell for prospective sponsors. It's no secret that, um, you know, sponsors – you know, probably aren't paying what they used to in light of the smaller driver salaries, which has been a trend in recent times. So, you know, I'm not sure that it's totally fair for someone to say that Joe Gibbs didn't do enough. Um, You know, but at the same time, I will admit that, you know, if they cannot keep him, you know, they have failed miserably. Um, You know, so I don't know what needs to change or what needs to take place, but you would think that if they really truly wanted him in that car, they would put him back in that car. And that goes for Joe Gibbs Racing and Toyota uh, Racing Development. And there doesn't seem to be um, a big incentive for whatever reason to re-sign him, and I'm not sure why that is. Um, I'd be curious to see what they have to say when his deal is ultimately announced because it seems to me that, at least in my opinion, that they are willing to let him walk in favor of Ty Gibbs, not sure that's a terrible idea, uh, given how successful Gibbs has been so far, but, you know, in willing, be willing to let somebody like that go in their last few years of their career is, in my opinion, it's a bit mind-boggling, so um, I'd be very curious to see what's said once this is all said and done. Yeah, uh, me too. I'd love to be a fly on the wall to kind of hear what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, but unfortunately, sometimes in these cases, we never do find out uh, what what was behind all of that. But it does lead you to kind of think uh, that maybe there was, was stepping on some toes, uh, and it could be either direction. It could be them stepping on his toes or him stepping on 
their toes um, that has kind of lessened their motivation to want to try to keep Kyle Busch. Um, <clears throat> I would think Kyle Busch would bring a lot of different sponsorship to the table. Uh, there's in, there's still Interstate Batteries, which is, of course, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, that's their their sponsor. Um, so it would be interesting if they if they jump ship, but uh, to stay with Kyle Busch. But it, it's just it does kind of make you think that maybe there's something going on there because it's so obvious that it's such a big loss for that organization. Uh, why in the world would they do anything to let him go? And and yet that's what we see happening right before our eyes. Now it might materialize totally. We might be totally in the left field here. Uh, and maybe Toyota will come up out with something at the end uh, to kind of keep him in their fold. But uh, I, I just don't see it to go in that direction with all the chatter that I'm seeing at the moment. And uh, we'll have to see how it continues to play out. Um, Mike, you get the last word. Well, we talk about Ty Gibbs, and it's kind of a, the assumption that if Kyle Busch is not in the 18, the Cup Series 18 next year, that's kind of assumed that uh, Ty Gibbs is going to end up in that car. And I'm sure Ty getting the the experience subbing for Kurt Busch in the 45 Toyota, I'm sure that's played into this decision as well, and maybe seeing as well as Ty Gibbs has been doing in the 45 substituting for Kurt Busch, maybe that's made it a little bit easier to let Kyle Busch go. But – and it's a big but. I don't think that Ty Gibbs is a suitable replacement for Kyle Busch. Not now. Kyle Busch is a NASCAR Cup Series two-time champion. Still, I don't know if I want to say he's at the prime of his driving, but he's not too far removed from it. Kyle Busch is a weekly threat to win most races. Do I think Ty Gibbs is going to get there? Yes. Ty Gibbs will be in the future a NASCAR Cup Series superstar, probably a champion in our sport at some point in his career. However, I don't think that Ty Gibbs is a suitable replacement for Kyle Busch. If you can keep Kyle Busch, even if you've got Ty Gibbs in the back pocket, you've got to try and keep Kyle Busch. So letting Ty Gibbs just slide right in and try and pretend that he's some kind of a replacement for Kyle Busch is just not there. We've seen time and time and time again over the past 10 years where experienced veterans, Matt Kenseth, Clint Boyer, um, Jeff Gordon, obviously he retired of his own volition, but all these hot superstar drivers coming up from the Xfinity series, every single one of them went into these cars that were vacated by veteran drivers and almost all of them did much, much worse than the veteran driver that they replaced. I don't expect Ty Gibbs to do any differently. Ty Gibbs will eventually be a very good NASCAR Cup Series race car driver, but losing Kyle Busch to replace him with Ty Gibbs I think is not the right move. We're going to see what happens. Like I said before, this isn't the last we're talking about it, but my my opinion that Kyle Busch is going to be coming back to the 18 it's definitely weakened. I, I was convinced a month ago, I was a hundred percent convinced that everyone talking about Kyle Busch leaving the 18, they're crazy. Well, they're, they don't sound so crazy anymore. So I don't know. Okay. We'll let that be the last word on that subject. Andy, uh, you get to bring up our next topic. Ryan Blaney signs a multi-year contract extension with team Penske. All right, Mike. 
Well, we went from some uncertainty to some serious certainty. Now, this isn't really a surprise. I don't think that anyone really expected Ryan Blaney to be going anywhere. He's done very well with Team Penske. He hasn't won this year, but I think he's first or second for total laps led on the season. He hasn't broken through into the win column yet, but he's running second in the Cup Series points behind uh, Chase Elliott, and there's a pretty decent margin now between Ryan Blaney and the number three points position driver. It's crazy because we keep talking about Ryan Blaney potentially being eliminated from the playoffs if he doesn't get a win, but he has done everything but win this year. He's run extremely well. You feel like he's knocking on the door to win a race any given weekend. He could potentially win this weekend. He's also been very strong at the plate track, so a win at Daytona is not out of the realm of possibility for him. And not a surprise at all to see him coming back for a long-term contract to Team Penske. The only surprise is that the Blaney deal was announced before the Lugano deal. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. Um I uh, am happy for Ryan Blaney. I I, uh, am glad that he's going to bring some continuity to the Team Penske organization. Um, Joy Logano, uh, yeah, that is interesting. I I, um, think it's a smart move. You've said that. I know Jay said that. Uh, that he thought it was a smart move. Even though he's a winless driver, he's one of the top drivers in contending every week. Uh, So uh, I think uh, Team Penske is uh, doing the prudent thing. It is interesting that they haven't announced anything on uh, Logano. Uh, I'm going to look on Jayski's here to see when Logano's contract is up. Um, is, Is he up this year? Yeah, Logano is in the contract year this year. Okay, so uh, that that is interesting, uh, but I would think that that's forthcoming as well. Uh, so, Andy, what are your thoughts? Uh, it's a smart move, I think, for Team Penske to to get him locked up long term. Obviously, um, a solid driver that typically wins a few races and makes the playoffs each year. Um, a young enough driver who has a solid future with the team and a solid future in the sport. So pretty smart for them to get that done. Um, I did not know Joey Logano was in a contract year, so I find it interesting um, that they would work on the Blaney deal first, but um, I don't see Joey Le- Well, actually, I thought Logano was signed it's, for a multi-year deal. It's not a contract year for Joey Logano, just to clarify. Shell Pennzoil has extended their sponsorship through 2027. Logano is signed through 2023 with the primary sponsor with Shell Pennzoil. Yeah, so okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, um, that, that, you know, that so makes actually, sense. Actually, you know, Penske, I think, has positioned itself for a stable future, when you consider, you know, long-term deals with Vagano and now Blaney and, and obviously Sindrick being a rookie, I'm sure has um, a solid future ahead of him as well at the organization. So pretty smart to get Blaney uh, locked up long-term. Obviously, um, you know, he's brought success to that organization the last several years and um, on the cusp of hopefully making yet another playoff run here in 2022. So uh, definitely a good move on that team to get him before somebody else tried to come in and uh, possibly steal him away. Yes, indeed. Uh, Mike, your follow-up? 
Well, yeah, you talk about, we were just talking about the instability and the uncertainty at Stuart Haas Racing and Toyota with Joe Gibbs Racing. It's, it's great to see a team on the other end of that coin. Um, team Penske and Hendrick Motorsports are kind of the opposite end of that spectrum where both of those teams have a very solid stable of drivers that are most likely going to be there for the very long-term future. And every single one of those drivers, the three at Team Penske and the four at Hendrick Motorsports, are all very strong drivers with a lot of upside and many, many years worth of success left ahead of them. So I think that was a great move by Team Penske. And removing that uncertainty and that distraction, I think, is a great move on their part. And they've really got themselves set up with three great drivers, Austin Sindrick, Ryan Blaney, and Joey Logano. All three of those could be potential champions for that organization. Yes, indeed. Not to mention, it takes a lot of pressure off of him going into the playoffs uh, when he's in probably one of the highest pressure spots right now. Uh, we're trying to stay on top of that cut line, and, and hopefully nobody below that cut line uh, winning before he does. So uh, I think that that's a very smart move on Team Penske's part to go ahead and sign him. Uh, the one that they haven't announced yet is actually Austin Sendrick. Uh, his contract does end in 22, uh, but uh, indications, his dad is Tim Sendrick, who is an executive uh, at Team Penske. So I fully expect that uh, Austin Sendrick will be re-signed. Uh, I don't think there's much doubt about that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's a very stable organization to Mike's point. And uh, my, I, I just think it's smart for them to announce that Ryan Blaney's been extended uh, before those playoffs begin, and especially at this particular point in the season with his current situation. Andy? Yeah, I think that, you know, those three drivers that they have presently, you know, are the long-term future of that team. So I'd be surprised if they made any uh, significant changes in the years to come. Okay. Oh, let's see. I guess we've got time for maybe one more topic, Mike. All right. That's good because that's all I've got left is one more topic. Um, Bob Poppers tweeted out some snippets from a bulletin that NASCAR put out earlier this week regarding uh, not so much changes to the rule book, but some clarifications. And it has to do with the wrap on the cars. Basically, it NASCAR has stated extremely clearly that you can only have wrap on top of factory body panels. You can't have anything underneath it, nothing that can change the shape of the body panel. So the wrap has to be properly adhered. You can't have a bubble underneath it or something like that. And the thing that really caught my attention is how specific and clear they were about that. Think back to the Pocono disqualification where we had two Joe Gibbs racing cars, Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch, disqualified at Pocono because of some tape that was found under the wrap. And I can't help but feel like this is a response to that, and maybe this was a a clarification for some stuff that NASCAR has been finding and not necessarily publicizing. Yeah, I kind of get that feeling as well. But, Andy, you get first shot at this before me. Andy. Well, I think this is just uh, in follow-up to the disqualifications from a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, obviously NASCAR saw something that they didn't like, and uh, any time that these teams push the limit, they have to put out rules, it seems like. So I would say that this rule change is strictly in response to not only that DQ, but 
maybe they've seen some other things too, you know, over the past few months that have made them want to clarify that a bit. So um, not surprising, um, you know, these teams are innovative and will continue to push the limits. And, um, you know, eventually NASCAR has to make modifications to the rule book to uh, curtail that accordingly. So um, not a big surprise. I think this, like I said, just stems from what we saw a couple weeks ago. And uh, I guess hopefully things are a bit clearer for these teams moving forward. Yeah, and, and I think it's interesting that they've put it in writing. Uh, I think this is one of those loopholes that maybe some teams have found, uh, that as they take cars back randomly to the R&D center, they're finding uh, these types of things going on. Uh, and I think it's good that they're putting it as clearly as they can put it into the rule book that that's not allowed. So uh, if I recall correctly, in addition to the fact that there were cars disqualified uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think uh, the number 11 car was one of those cars that was picked to randomly be looked at uh, after that race. And uh, you never know. And maybe it wasn't on the 11 car. Maybe it was another car. But you never know what they find in those random searches uh, that they bring back to the R&D center that they've obviously felt a need uh, to put this in writing and to clarify it so that there is no question mark in anybody's mind about what is and is not allowed. So uh, I, get, I get a feeling there was one of these, uh, we'll let it go this time, but don't let it happen again kind of things. And in the meantime, they put it down in writing. So, Mike, your thoughts. Oh, come on now. Are you honestly going to say there's no question mark in anyone's mind about something? We're talking <laughs> about people who are they're simultaneously the smartest people you're ever going to encounter, <laughs> but also somehow have the worst reading comprehension of any people you're ever going to encounter. They can simultaneously read every single word that is written in a rule book and at the same time read none of those words. It depends how it suits them. So just because NASCAR has put this in writing doesn't necessarily mean that everything is clear. It just means that that one very specific instance is somewhat less murky. And that's about the extent of it. Uh, like I said, I don't know that – obviously, we know about the disqualifications from Pocono. NASCAR hasn't said that they've found anything else, or at least they haven't announced any penalties with regard to things that they've found regarding wrap or body contour. Because what, what it really comes down to is using the wrap to change the contour of the car, which could potentially provide some sort of an aerodynamic advantage, depending about how the wrap doesn't stick properly to the car and it creates a pocket or something like that. NASCAR is trying very hard to clarify the rules and make sure that that's not the game and that the wrap and the paint on top of the wrap remains decorative only because that's what the – they, they're not allowed to paint these Gen 7 car parts anymore. They have to be wrapped directly on top of the Gen 7 parts, and then you can paint on top of the wrap if you want. So mandating that they have to wrap the car, it then opens the door to, well, this is it's basically an adhesive film, so you can do certain things with adhesive film to change shapes and cover gaps and whatnot. And NASCAR is trying to be extremely clear that they don't want to see those kind of games being played. And chances are, if they're coming out and saying don't play these games, it's because people have been playing those games. So we'll see where it goes from here. 
I'm sure that now that the line is in the sand, if somebody decides they want to stick their toe across the line, it's going to get slapped pretty hard. Like we've seen uh, Brad Keselowski and Michael McDowell's teams both be slapped very hard by the rule book. And we also saw two disqualifications. So if somebody wants to play those games and touch the hot stove, we're going to find out how hot it is. And I think going forward, we're going to see that again. Okay, Andy. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point as far as, you know, the penalties are concerned. Um, you know, I think especially now when you consider that there's been a rule book change that tries to explicitly state what they can and can't do with regards to this matter. Um, obviously, if somebody were to try this or, or make any kind of changes uh, moving forward, the penalties would be stiff. I think that they've made a couple examples this year of teams um, – you know, that have broken the rules and, uh, you know, the two point penalties, obviously with McDowell and Kozlowski. And then you consider the DQs of, of, uh, Hamlin and Bush at Pocono a couple weeks ago. Um, they've made a point that they're, they're not messing around. And I think as they make some of these rules clearer, uh, there'll be less tolerance on their end. If, uh, teams continue to push the envelope. Yes, indeed. In fact, it, just to kind of go over the exact wording here, uh, the external surfaces of body panels may be wrapped or wrapped with paint applied to the wrap. Any external wrap or coating must be removable. So textured paint or vinyl will not be permitted. The wrap must conform to the underlying surface. The wrap must not create new features and must not diminish existing features. Uh, the perimeter, the second part of this is the perimeter of the window must remain flush flush with the body surface for the entire event. Uh, crossed out and revised, uh, they've got silicone will not be permitted to seal the quarter panels. That's been revised to say sealing or adhering the quarter windows to the body will not be permitted. So any kind of sealant, <laughs> uh, not just silicone, is not going to be permitted. Uh, so uh, I think NASCAR has just tightened up the loophole is all that that amounts to. But uh, uh, the fact that they put it in writing and uh, specifically said what can and cannot be done, uh, I think is, is the important factor here. And uh, it obviously tells us, you know, all rules, are made because somebody has found that loophole. Somebody has pushed that limit, and it's created a, a rule. So that's how rules come into existence uh, is because somebody's pushed it beyond where it's supposed to be, and so now we have a rule to, to really clarify. So, again, you're right. These guys are smart people, but I've always said if you're smart enough to do it, parameters, you got you're also smart enough to do it inside the parameters. Uh so we'll see where it goes. Mike. Yeah, I think uh kind of like we've seen before, uh you kind of go enforcement cycles ebb and flow a little bit, right? So we saw kind of a sharper enforcement cycle over the course of the summer. Maybe it's going to let off a little bit, but the playoffs are coming. And I think the past two years we've seen massive playoff, or massive penalties to at least one playoff team within the first race or two of the playoffs as something is found, whether it be, you know, for example, Ryan Blaney with the ballast that was left in the car a couple of years ago, or it could be a – 
uh, body modification, something along those lines. Kind of a shot across the bow in that first round of the playoffs. It kind of almost seems like that's become the standard over the past few years. So whether or not that this is setting up for that shot across the bow to come within the first couple races of the playoffs, time will tell. But history has said that we might be in for somebody getting whacked by the rule book pretty good here within the first three races of these coming playoffs. Yep, that's what they're setting up, it seems. Okay, we're coming up toward the top of the hour. I think we've uh, completed all of our hot topics for tonight. So let's go ahead and do the roundtable. Mike, we'll start with you. Sure, it's Mike underscore Zell on Twitter, Mike double underscore O on Reddit. Uh, good to be back talking to you all on a fairly regular basis. I should hopefully be available next week. Really looking forward to the racing this weekend at Watkins Glen. It's one of my favorite racetracks. Uh, the racing is always outstanding there, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it this, this weekend. Hopefully Andy will be around. We can, we can chat throughout the race, and uh, that's always it just makes it that much more enjoyable. Okay, Andy. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, really excited for this weekend. Uh, Watkins Glen, also one of my personal favorites. That's why I'm grateful to have done the whole show tonight. Certainly a lot of fun to talk about it. And I will be around all weekend, so really looking forward to that, Mike, and uh, should have a lot to talk about. Looking forward to it. Well, let me say a big thank you to Andy for standing in tonight as co-host. I do appreciate it. Uh, you did a great job, and uh, I really uh, and I'm hoping that we can call on you again to co-host if it comes down to that. Um, and uh, I, too, am looking to uh, looking forward to the Watkins Glen races. There's a lot of racing going on this weekend. There's also uh, the uh, Arkham Menard Series is, uh, with their doubleheader uh, at Watkins Glen and Illinois State Fairgrounds. There's also the Arca West race that's out at Evergreen Speedway this weekend. Uh, so there is a bundle of racing uh, going on. Even though the truck series is off this week and for a couple of weeks, we have a lot of racing ahead of us. Um, so uh, looking forward to that. Uh, we had Greg Zipidelli on earlier. There, He does uh, give a full interview. We didn't. We're not able to run the full interview, uh, but that is available over at Jayskis if you want to read it there. Uh, also, uh, a big shout out to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate you for uh, taking the time to hear what we have to say, uh, whether it's on the live broadcast or the podcast. Uh, and um, we'll look forward to doing this again on the other side. Uh, as uh, we review all of the racing that took place this weekend. So uh, thanks to everybody, and uh, enjoy your weekend of racing. I think we're ready to call that a wrap, guys. All right. Have a great night. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.